PKA episode 492 with our guest Sean Atwood. You guys will love Kyle. Couple of sponsors tonight: Postmates and the University of Colorado. We'll get to them later on. But yeah, should be an interesting show. Welcome aboard, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys, and huge congratulations on your YouTube success. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You know, <laughs> you. we never get that right off the bat. That's really nice. <laughs> it's called English, English manners. Uh, we need more English guests. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I was thinking when I was looking into your channel about how you, you went to prison and everything. I was like, ah. Oh, this motherfucker with his British accent, like I, I imagined, like two days in, they're like, "Man, you better ask the professor about that." And like, <laughs> you get like little nicknames and stuff. Did that actually happen or no? But believe me, I was playing the Harry Potter card all the way through it. I mean, <laughs> you damn Yanks love your goddamn limey cousins from across the pond, <laughs> yeah. and they'd be asking me if I had and crumpets with the Spice Girls and the Beatles and all this stuff, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Sean, can you move your mic a little closer to your mouth? Just listen. Yeah, yeah. Really. Um, so, why you went to prison in Arizona under Sheriff Joe? Wasn't my brightest idea to be running an international ecstasy trafficking operation in Arizona when Sheriff Joe Apayo had created this House of Horrors <laughs> Mar Maricopa <laughs> County Jail which according to National Geographic Channel, who did my Locked Up Abroad episode, they said it's got the highest rate of death out of all the jails and prisons in America. And 62 people died in that jail over a five-year period around the time I was there. And they weren't just people getting beat down and murdered by gang members. Some of them were mentally ill prisoners murdered by the guards. One guy, Brian Crenshaw, failed to produce his ID for the evening meal Guards pulverized him, broke his neck. He went into a coma. He died over a month uh, later from severe internal injuries. Another one, Scott Norberg, he came in. The guards started beating him, electrocuting him with tasers. A female guard tried to stop it. She said, stop beating him. His face has turned blue. They pushed her off. They kept beating him. The prisoner started yelling, why are you beating him? He's already dead. Jesus. Face was blue, and they, Jesus could, Christ. they could not stop beating the corpse, even though it was like they were like a pack of wolves. They've just, you know, like the amygdala takes over, and they're just ferocious, and they can't stop. Animalistic. Did you Beating. say that this was like during a meal? <laughs> Everybody's trying to eat their mac and cheese, and there's a dead guy getting beat to shit. <laughs> yeah, you see all kinds of crazy stuff like that. People having um, one woman, Deborah Brayard. She was a shoplifter in, in a short-term sentence. Her daughter was calling all morning long saying, my mom needs her medication. She's a diabetic. Guards were like, tough shit. And she started to have seizures. She was pissing on herself, crapping on herself. And the guards were just walking right around her like as if nothing was happening. Jeez. Wow. So what, why do you think that is about the guards? Do you think that it's a career that attracts sadistic people in part or that they get so jaded by like, you know, and this is not, I've never been to, uh, you know, maximum security prison, but I did watch Silence of the Lambs where maybe they just caught one <laughs> eye full of cum too much and then they just stopped caring. Clarice, tell me yeah. now. <laughs> this is our uh, sinister genius and cum throwing wing. Yeah, this is <laughs> did you breastfeed feed your baby? Yeah. <laughs> made your nipples hard, didn't it? <laughs> um, I would say a combination. You've got good and bad in every profession. You know, I'm not knocking all guards. It does attract some sadistic types, 
and the energy in the environment is so pervasively negative, even the guards who start out, fish guards, fresh looks on their faces, trying to help people, within six months, their faces have turned to stone. It was the same for the prisoners as well. As soon as I went in, all completely gang controlled, heads are getting bashed against toilets, bodies getting thrown around. I've got a look of shock on my face. Prisoners are coming up to me saying, you got to get that look of shock off your face or else you're going to get smashed next. So within six months, I've got dead eyes. And once I got released, even on my driver's license picture to this day, oh, no. my face just looks completely <laughs> immune <laughs> just... to it. Yeah. <laughs> We're definitely going to circle back around to your drug enterprise days because those are fascinating. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm really interested in the hellhole that was your prison and how it became so much worse by accident. It, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, your bail was something like three quarters of a million dollars initially, right? Initially, yeah. And your yeah. family all got together and uh, and 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 raised, uh, mortgaged a home, and uh, a relative of yours who was a retired policeman came and spoke on your behalf at a, at a bail hearing to try to get that reduced. So that potentially you could you could get out and get back on the street again to, until you await, await trial, I suppose. And that backfired, right? The bail was doubled to $1.5 million cash only. And I was yep. reallocated from medium security <laughs> to maximum security. Now, I'd seen the cockroaches here and there, but I got to my cell in max security at about 2 in the morning. And there's a bit of light slanting in from the day room. I notice it's only a two-man cell. There's two bunks at the back of the wall. Go mm -hmm. in, and I'm wondering why my cellmate's asleep on the top bunk. Because where I come from, people fight over the bottom bunk, thinking something's not quite right. Walk in a little bit around in the cell. Something drops off the ceiling and bounces off my shoulder. Like, what was that? Looking at the walls and the ceiling, there's like a swirl effect. And I'm thinking, all right, my eyes are playing tricks. So I put my face right up to the wall. And it's just absolutely covered in American cockroaches. Nothing like I'd ever seen before Jesus in my Christ. life. So I'm thinking, all right, how's, how's, how's he asleep up there? He's wrapped a sheet around him. So <laughs> eight at night is locked down. Ten lights out. The roaches know when the lights are about to go out. They start lining up in the cracks in the wall in this old building, doing this little movement with their antennae sticking out, like an army waiting to invade. So as soon as the lights go out, they just flood the room. Got a choice, wrap the sheet around you, look like the mummy, leave a breathing hole. It does keep them off you. But this is the Sonoran Desert. It's almost um, 50 degrees UK temperature, 120 US temperature in the summer. <laughs> and there's a vent at the back of the cell attached to what's called a swamp cooler. The only time that air was blowing was when the county health inspector walked through the building. And as soon as he left, it went back to the broken setting. And what I mean is we'd ask the guards why it's working and just say, oh, it's broken. So <laughs> wrap the sheet around me. And, and I've already got all these bleeding skin infections and bed sores from the heat. And when you wrap that sheet around you, you just start sweating so much and, the, and you're itchy. Your skin has turned soggy because you're sweating every single day. You scratch yourself, clumps of your own skin detach under your nails. So in the end, I just throw the sheet off and let the cockroaches crawl on me. So you were just now, slowly decomposing every night. Yeah, rotting away. 
it looked like a spilt battery acid on my leg at one point. I had this just big like infection on my leg. Because <clears throat> I'm sat on my ass a lot, I'm getting all these bed sores on my butt. And um, I, I, I put a tank order in, a medical request to see this doctor. And he tells me to drop my drawers. As he, and he's going to check my ass out. And then he just goes to grab my dick. And I pull back. I'm like, whoa, there's nothing wrong with my dick. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just go. I'm just seeing if you can get hard. I'm just seeing if you can get hard. I'm just seeing if you can come. I'm just seeing if you can come. <laughs> when I got back to the medical waiting room, every other prisoner said he tried to grab their dicks as well. But back to the Rog story. Yeah. So sheet around you, it is way too hot and itchy. So you just throw the sheet off, let them crawl on you. Now, they don't bite. They tickle your feet, tickle your legs. I woke up so many nights from tickling my hands. I, you know, um, I flinch now if, if, if someone tickles my hands. But the, they get on your face, mouth, nose. The favorite place of all is going in your ears to eat your earwax. It's like honey to them. Oh. Literally, I, 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 I oh. had a little piece of towel and I washed my ear. <laughs> I washed the earwax out of my ear one time with this little piece of towel and I hung it near the sink. And the cockroaches... They crawled on the little piece of towel and they were pulsing right on where the earwax was. Like, honey, this is our honey. Feed me. That's brilliant. A sacrificial towel. <laughs> well, I had a neighbor. I had a neighbor. I knew who was where it came from. I had a neighbor who was asthmatic. Wakes up one morning out of breath, grabs his inhaler, takes a blast, shoots a live cockroach inside himself. <laughs> starts freaking out saying he can feel it moving around <laughs> oh. he, he, he throws up his stomach contents and somehow it's stuck inside him and it won't even come out even in the daytime there were so many prisoners were doing cockroach races on the day room tables <laughs> gambling on who would be the winner now over time you've got to just harmonize with your environment and I was living with the cockroaches in that maximum security Madison Street jail for about a year so in the end, you know, I'm just chilling with them, watching their habits. They communicate through these chemical smells. If you threaten them, then, like, these warrior ones come running under your door, like, you know, what's up, what's up over here? <laughs> Some of them have, have um, little pouches of babies. It looks like a section of a worm. And if they manage to get that under your bunk, and I, I would find them, like, attached to books and stuff, all the babies hatch. And they go absolutely everywhere. Not the but babies. they will, yeah, all the little baby cockroaches, they're just all over the wall, just swirling and swirling and swirling. There was white ones. I don't know whether they were albinos or they were shedding their skin. Um, so, and I, they, people say they would survive a nuclear attack, and I agree. They, yeah. If you throw them in the toilet, they look like they're drowned. They're like this. But the little bastards are actually holding oxygen to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw people just smash them and like completely flat. I'm reading my book, look over an hour later, and the fingers reform, reformed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just gone on to have a nice day. So, so there yeah. was no concern at all. Obviously, obviously there was no concern. So the prison themselves were like, all right, it's fine for every single inmate to just live in a sea of cockroaches. And that's just the way they live. And I'm sure that also made everybody a little on edge. Sleep's not great. And so probably made it more violent, more shitty, just a circular, you know, pattern there, right? Absolutely. The violence was nonstop. It's all racial gangs. So I'm white. I go in. Skinheads from the Aryan Brotherhood come up to me like, hey, we want a word with you. Get in that cell over there. 
you can't say no to these guys. They're just going to smash your head into the wall. So I go into the cell. They close the door behind me so it's almost closed. Biggest one gets in my face. He's like, what are your charges? I'm new to this. My charges are on a computer printout. Legal terminology. I don't know what it means. So I give the worst answer in the world. I say, I don't know what my charges mean. Now they've got me up against the wall about to attack me. What do you mean you don't know what your charges mean? Are you a chomo? Are you a chomo? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what a chomo is at this point. You <laughs> learn fast. <laughs> so that's child molester, and that is KOS, which means kill on sight. Yeah. So in the, in the end, I pulled out my charge sheet. They saw I was in for drugs. They saw I had big charges. I had a big bail bond, conspiracy, $750,000 cash only. They were like, God damn, you guys, the mafia, who guys were you killing or what? I was like, no, raves, ecstasy, we didn't kill anybody. <laughs> um, and then and they explain all the rules. It's like, if someone calls you a punk or a bitch or hits you, you have to fight him on the spot or else the whole gang will attack you. You must take showers or they'll smash you for bad hygiene. Can't go make you friends with the guards, they'll smash you for snitching. Can't sit at the tables with the racists. They'll smash you for that. So they're constantly looking for people to beat up because that's how they earn their reputations and tattoos. To rise up in the gang, you've got to commit increasing acts of violence to be fully mm -hmm. patched into the AB. You've got to kill someone for them in the jail. So there's four gangs. There's the white gang is the AB, Aryan Brotherhood. Then you've got the Mau Mau is the black gang. Then you've got the Chicanos. The, the um and you've, then you've got the Pisces, you've got the you've got like the uh, the old Mexican mafia, so it's just constant gang warfare in there, and it's all about the drugs. The absolute priority of the gang is getting the drugs in. Mm. Approximately ninety percent of the prisoners were injecting heroin, injecting crystal meth. The whole day just revolved around getting the drugs in, and that's why these jails now have created the ideal target market for gang members to sell drugs to because they can't get out of jail. <laughs> and they've even yeah. got the guards bringing the drugs in for them to sell to them. And most of these people were arrested for crimes related to drugs. Young people came in back then. The biggest arrest category was weed possession. And then they leave addicted to heroin. They've got neo-Nazi tattoos. They've made their criminal connections in prison. They've got a criminal record. They can't get a job. And by the time they get out, they're converted into full-on criminals. Everybody I saw who got released just came right back. It's really sad. But I... that's how the prisons stay in business. It's $50,000 a year of taxpayers' money per prisoner as soon as they come back. I'd written so down, much. does that cruelty prevent repeat offenders? I wanted the answer to that, you know, because it would make me not want to go back again. But I guess I just It makes got me not it. want to go. Right? But, but it sounds like it creates better criminals or bigger criminals. Or... Absolutely. I mean... Yeah, there's the deterrent factor, but Arizona prides itself on that. It says we've got the toughest prisons. If you look at FBI stats, Arizona's got some of the highest reoffending in the whole of the country. So it's to do with the war on drugs. If you mass incarcerate low-level drug users, which is what most prisoners are, in the TV you see prisoners are like Pablo Escobar, Hannibal Lecter. That's all the media reports is extreme crimes on one side. And how easy they got it on the other. They got PlayStations, they got gourmet food, they got luxuries. And this is how the media tricks the public into hating on prisoners. But when you get in there, 
the average arrest I saw was a black kid or a Mexican kid with a little bit of weed getting like a two to five year sentence. I had a cellmate who got caught with a roach. He got a um, 18 month sentence. I was there when a Vietnam vet got sentenced. A black guy, he'd been shot in the head by a sniper. He'd won Purple Heart Medal for bravery. Prosecutor said he's unemployed. He's got a nice new car. There was some crumbs of cocaine on the car. He must be a dealer. And judge was like, bam, sent him away for almost 10 years like that. So it's a prison industrial complex that preys on the poorest sections of society. One cop said, I just go into a black neighborhood and make my arrest quota. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. I want to I want to circle all the way back around to the, that, that bail hearing, because that had to be one of those moments where you're like just on the cusp of victory <laughs> and victory is snatched away and you're you fall into the jaws of defeat because you were in minimum security, which wasn't fun, but not the worst scenario ever. I was and, in medium, medium. Oh, medium. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then because of the way that bail hearing went down and them doubling your bail essentially because you went over a one million dollar bail you're automatically upgraded to maximum security and that's when you got sent to the roach motel yeah and i've been in towers jail for a year i know all the i know all the slang i know the prison walk so the next day when i woke up in max security i've got to go to the white table now the woods and they're going to determine now whether they're going to accept me or they're going to smash me. This is Max Security. They're nearly all in there for murder. There was a few crystal meth chemists. So I walk up to the, the table, you know, doing the prison walk with all the slang. Like, what up, Woods? What up, Woods? <laughs> Where did you roll in from, Woods? Ahoy, hoy. Towers Jail. Um they, they, they made my bail bond over a million, so I got reclassed to max. They're like, you know, what are you in for, Wood? Um, ecstasy. So they're asking me all these questions, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm fitting in with these guys. They're going to accept me. Then I go back to my room, and hours later, the head of the gang, he comes down with all of his legal paperwork, <laughs> and he says, I want you to read this for me and tell you if, if, if this plea bargain they're offering me is, is reasonable. So they saw through my act and saw I was an educated person and I was a, re a resource to them. <laughs> That's really funny. They so can the, tell uh, I knew how to read, so <laughs> now I'm the professor. A third of the prisoners could not read or write. In Max Security, I set up a class for the Mexicans teaching them how to write home in Spanish because a lot of them worked out in the countryside and they couldn't uh, read and write. Then the Aryan Brotherhood put a green light to have me smashed for helping another race. I had an independent tough guy who was my cellmate at the time, Joe, and he intervened with the gang and they allowed me to keep helping the Mexicans. Sean, can you move your mic closer? Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. That sounds so <laughs> that's awful. So that sounds fucking horrible, but something I want to like. So you got there, the Aryans approach you in your cell, and then. Kind of how does that relationship go from there? Like you, you said, there's no turning them down. You have to kind of play the game. Were there ever times where it was like, hey, you just earned your first swastika tattoo. Come on in. And you're like, no, actually, guys, get like, you know, they also used an eagle. Let's do a real generic eagle. You know, like, <laughs> can you make it look yeah. like the Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> yeah. 
I saw one skinhead. He had a tattoo of Hitler on his chest. <laughs> Zeke, no subtlety. <laughs> Zeke Heiling. Zeke Heiling over a gas chamber with Jewish people dying inside the gas chamber. Yeah. Now here's here's what helped me out. Intricate. Here's what helped me out. Hey, Sean, can you move your mic a lot closer? Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to go over the screen now? Is that okay? Oh, oh so much better. My God. Yeah. 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 A, a All right. So. Good. Yeah. Over over a hundred people arrested with me, including some of my bouncers from the raves I was throwing, including my best friend from my hometown, who is a massive guy. He co-interviews people with me on my YouTube channel called Wild Man. He's like the UK Joey Diaz. Oh, <laughs> I've seen that guy. Yes. Yeah, he, he is his, the UK his, Joey Diaz. His his fists are, t- are twice the size of mine, and they're just all human teeth marks all over them. He's a good guy to get arrested with. So once the AB guys in Towers Jail found out I was with Wildman and that we were one of the biggest crews in the jail, we had a coexistence with them and none of our clique got smashed. Hmm. In, in that in that first in that first uh, year that was when we were all together. I think what was most... your relation to the guy with the Hitler tattoo? Was he just like, <laughs> oh no, that's Alan? I think there's some other guy who's like, even Alan goes a little far for us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hitler goes a perfectly fine signet for us to use, and he goes for the whole portrait thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's None of us it... were on board with that. Don't think we're all like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way: when the head of the whites got moved out of our building, and there was a white boy meeting, and we had to vote on the new head of the whites, I didn't vote for that skinhead. I vote for Marco, who was out of the Italian mafia. The Italian mafia took over from the Aryan Brotherhood in that pod, and it was the best we ever had. It like these guys were running the show. Outside the jail at night, when we were all locked down, when we were all supposed to be asleep, Marco was outside the jail with the guards smoking and giving them orders. Whenever we got raided, whenever we got raided, uh, the guard, um, he would find out in advance and anything the guards took, all our bedding and everything, would get all fresh stuff from other guards, would bring it right back to us. He had a legal visit from his girlfriend. In legal visits, the guards can't watch. So his girlfriend would come in as a legal visitor mm. and give him blowjobs in the legal visitation room. Nice. And there was, there was like the least violence ever under Marco's rule. I wrote a whole chapter about it in Hard Time. And it was the best um, of the time in Towers Jail was when the Italian mafia were running the show. But the good times never last. <laughs> the, 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 the like meshing between the Italians and the Aryans. What was that like? A little, an alliance? Because they're both white or like their own interests. Like I'm sure they had their own drug interests and stuff, right? There was an uneasy coexistence that culminated into a full-scale um, semi-riot at one point, and which ended up with us all getting moved. So the Italians, you know, when people have got it good like that and they're running things, other people get jealous because people have got nothing in prison. Mm-hmm. So the woods were getting jealous of, you know, how smoothly they were running things and all the perks they were getting. And they were always scheming, and they always had the greater numbers. We had more numbers temporarily, but in the end, Marco got moved. He got sentenced. His um, next in line took over. He was a Golden Gloves boxer, and he had a lot of fights in a row, and he always won. And then he fought a Rule 11 inmate called Buster Beats. 
Now, that means a mentally ill person, rule 11. There was this foul meal that nobody would eat called Red Death, and this guy would just put it in plastic bags and eat it all day long. <laughs> and um, he was my cellmate briefly as well. He, um, he like, took the legs off uh, crickets and mosquitoes and, and, and um, beat them with little rolled-up pieces of toilet paper. And- <laughs> some sort of a pickle rick type scenario <laughs> yeah. but he would just pull the legs off until it's a torso yeah. and then he would beat them with a rolled up <laughs> yeah and say um good mosquito you're not going to leave me now and things like this this rap called dead body hose about um, having sex with the corpses of britney spears and christine aguilera and all this stuff and the prisoners would always make him do it but anyway um, the Golden Gloves boxer, Nick, he ended up in a fight with uh, Buster Beats. Um, Buster Beats, these Rule 11 guys, they've got this crazy strength. <laughs> he kept like, Marco, just, I, I mean, but um, the Golden Gloves guy, Nick, just kept beating the shit out of Buster Beats. And he, he'd say like, I give up, I give up. He'd go to leave the cell. Buster Beats would like jump back up. Bounce off the wall like Spider Man, jump on my, on, on Nick's back. <laughs> and this, this went on for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and Nick's like, just punch. He's going up against the wall, just punch, 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 punch. I think he's going to kill this guy. And Nick, um, his, his, his hand, he broke his knuckle. His hand <laughs> swelled up like the size of a grapefruit. Pieces of teeth uh, of both of them had, had, had come off. And and after that, Nick said, "Look, I'm sick of being the head of the whites." You know, he was sick of fighting all the time. And he, he was he, disillusioned from being yeah. the retarded man. He, <laughs> he was like, I, "I don't even know what this is all about anymore." He... The sad thing was, um, my people on the outside and Nick's people on the outside, we were trying to help him. He, we were trying to locate his um, step parents to try and get him some assistance. So... Oh yeah, they want him back. <laughs> <laughs> he starts a different gang, and he's just like. I know you're not a chomo, but are you a chromo? Gathering up his own Rule Eleven gang, so I assume that Buster was not invited to any of the gangs. They're like, I know you're white, Buster, but you can't. You can't. No, he, play he with was us. Chicano. He was Chicano. Oh, Chicano. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that I, sounds uh, kind of funny. <laughs> to, to, to as watch, as, as awful as all of his sounds. I think the worst thing I heard you talk about, the roaches sound horrific. And like, I think the roaches would severely damage my mental health over the course of days and weeks yeah. and months. But the spider situation, could you, could you oh. speak on that a little bit? So you would just wake up with pinpricks on your skin. It would get you in the night because it would come out looking for food. You rolled around in your sleep and you touch it. Then in the following days, the pus would start to come out and the skin would like melt away and the venom would eat into your flesh down to the bone on some occasions and cause what's called a volcano lesion. Now, we'd take these guys to the guards and the guards would always say the same thing in the early stages, at least. It's the policy of the jail not to treat insect bites. You put yourself in here, you deal with it. So this... Chicano gang member who was facing like hundreds of years. He'd been in a drive-by shooting. He shot a bunch of teenagers. He was a teenager when this had happened. And um, one bullet had gone through a girl and come out and blew a nipple off. And it was headline news every night whether these people in critical injury were going to die because he was going to get the death penalty then. 
So he got bit on his back. I mean, this guy was like 300 plus pounds and he would roll around in his sleep on this little bunk. Obviously his body would go against the wall and that's how he got the spider bite. So we're showing it to the guards every day because it's like a baseball of yellow pus plasma is like building up in his back. And the guards are like, it's the policy of the jail not to treat insect bites. You put yourself in there. It's an arachnid, sir. An arachnid. (laughs) (laughs) So we did try to deal with it. We got a load of guys in the day room, big guys, and we got his arms on either side and held him steady. There was a Russian guy, Bill, in the military, and he said he knew how to dress wounds. So he was our designated doctor. I was holding a roll of toilet paper, and the Russian just comes up behind him and starts massaging this wound. All this pus is running down his back, and I'm helping mop it up with the toilet paper. Now, this is going on for about 10, 20 minutes. Big guy's almost fainting, sweat dripping off his ears, his chin. He starts dragging everybody across the day room. We need more guys to hold him. People were jumping on. When all of the pus was finally out, what we did for him was, what what the Russians said was the best thing to stop the bacteria, put salt on the wound to stop oh, the God. bacteria. <laughs> A little yeah. lemon juice, maybe. Now, <laughs> when, when I got moved over to Max Security, I started a little competition called Suffer of the Week. Whoever had it the worst, the prisoners who had commissary would put in like a Snickers bar or some peanut butter. And whoever had it worse that week would win. So there was one guy, he got bitten on his thumb by the spider. So every day he's showing it to the guards and the guards are like, you know, tough shit. you got nothing coming. And in the beginning, it was just a pus coming out. It was red. Then it went purple. Then it went blue. Then mold started to grow on it and it turned black. And they finally mm-hmm. took, took him to see a doctor and they had to cut it off before it like impacted his whole body. And, of course, we awarded him Suffer of the Week. And he says it was worth losing his fun for just to get the extra food. Jesus. But he got so a Snickers like a bar, nice little... so it was kind of yeah. a win. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Someone help like... me unwrap it, though, for real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Maximum Security Prison meets free parking from Monopoly. That's the brown recluse spider that does <clears throat> that. And I've never seen one. I think that's that's kind of part of their 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 uh mo is is that you don't see them very often they're 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 very small spiders the worst story i heard is about the guy who sat on a toilet seat and there was one under the rim and it bit him on the head of his dick and his dick rotted off because he was embarrassed to go to a doctor and say look at my penis it's been bitten by something he just thought it'll get better but those bites really don't get better they get much much worse before they get any better i tell the doctor immediately well, every these... time you get bit in the penis? <laughs> every single time. <laughs> these yeah. stories so far are mild compared to my dick, balls, and um, gang rape and beheading stories. <laughs> yes, and I was, I've was i got all that written down. So <laughs> all that written down to address. So like you, 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 like, you, you mentioned it and we moved past it real quickly, but I was curious. So you said, and it was on one of your videos, the like, what do you do if some powerful guy, the, the Hitler, you know, portrait guy, green lights you to get the, your shit pushed in and beat the fuck up. If that gets greenlit, is there any way to go to that guy and be like, hey, I'm so sorry, let me give you some Snickers, or is it like, no, once that's okayed, you're fucked. He can't go back on it, or he'll look weak or, or complacent. Like, How's that pan out? 
prison rape is so common there's a rape class now that you have to attend on the PREA Prison Rape Elimination Act. Yep. It's it's mandatory. A rape class. Te- what the, yeah, did you learn anything? You. Are you better at raping now than before? Prisoners <laughs> 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 are joking on the way to the rape class. I, I went to the rape class myself. It's, uh... <laughs> so you watch a video, and there's some guys in the day room, some predators, the young prisoners coming in are hungry. If they take food, they're in debt. And once they got you in debt, they got you. They say, look, you've got to pay this debt or else we're going to kill you. Well, I got no money. Well, you're going to go in that cell over there, do whatever he says, and that will pay your debt off. And if you are weak-minded enough to do that, there's no turning back. That's called getting turned out, becoming a prison punk. They rent you out as a prison prostitute, and you know, you, you're ruined. The, lo- the lowest level in the prison is uh, punks, um, snitches, and chomos. So the conclusion of the rape class was to stop rape, you have to report it. If you report anything, you're a snitch. So after we went to the rape class, a young mentally ill prisoner was gang raped and nobody reported a single thing. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, he gets yeah. raped in the rape class. <laughs> after, after the class. Yeah, right after, yeah. yeah. Oh, so wait. that was just like an F you to the guards. Now, the story of Xena who was a transgender prisoner, six and a half foot, charismatic transgender prisoner. She seemed happy um, living with her boyfriend when I met her in prison. He was protecting her. But decades before, when she first came in, um, she was big, weight weightlifting, clicked up with the Aryan Brotherhood gang as a debt collector. It's blood in, blood out. These gangs use people up and they brutalize them. So I asked Zena what happened. She said the first time was a gang rape. They beat me until I was unconscious, raped me while I was unconscious, and shoved things inside my body. I said, well, what did they shove inside your body? A broomstick. I said, well, how did you know they were raping you if you were unconscious? She said, when I went to the toilet afterwards, I could tell by what came out. I said, well, what did you do after being raped? I sat in my cell waiting for the scars to go. I got moved to another yard, but the same thing happened. They beat me up, raped me, used me as a sex toy, a prostitute, a punk. There's no recourse, no one to talk to. You can't go to the guards. They'll throw you in a dungeon for months or years and say it's for your own protection. You can do absolutely nothing other than kill the perpetrators. The victim is labeled a rat, a punk, and considered less than human. I said, did you think about killing the people who did this? Yes, I did. I also thought about killing myself, and I still do sometimes. And then Zena started crying. She couldn't answer any more questions. But she came back because we were writing a a blog to raise awareness of prison rape. And when she came back, I said, does this mostly happen to youngsters? Yes, it does. But it can happen to anyone. Big, bad dudes, skinny, ugly. People who aren't street smart, who don't understand the mentality of ghetto life, they get picked on the most. I said, well, how did you stop it? I took the abuse for as long as I could and I started fighting. I won most of the fights. When I stood up and told them I didn't care about living or dying, it stopped. You've got to be ruthless. Now, that is understatement. Zena hadn't told me the truth as to how she stopped this gang raping business because she didn't want to risk getting in trouble for what she'd done. Zena was studying anatomy, and the next two times the gang members came to rape Zena, the first member of the gang to put his hand on Zena, Zena plucked his eyeball out. So it was, <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> so it was dangling from the optic nerve. 
And that's what I thought when I first heard that story. <laughs> Holy shit. Is that, even, is that even possible? So I had a workout partner called Iron Man in prison, and he told me to join a dojo. <laughs> to join a dojo when I got out. So I, I did karate for almost 10 years. And they teach us in karate, it's called bird beak strike. You just go bam into the eyeball like that, and it, it comes out on the optic nerve. Now, Zena did that twice, <laughs> two separate occasions. <laughs> That's what I'm laughing at, by the way. They came back. They came back. I had to rape her again, and she did yeah. it again. So What's so funny is that she plucked they, an eye out, and they, they still came back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they classified her as extremely dangerous because that eyeball, when you put it back in, it just doesn't go back in snugly and behave normally. The fluid coating the brain can leak through the socket and you can die. You can be blinded. You know, it, it, it can really um, mess your visual apparatus up, I'm let's confused. say. So Xena was a woman and men were raping her? How? Why were they together? I got. I missed something. She, she's okay, so Xena was a trans prisoner, six and a half foot. Oh. When she first came in, decades before she'd met me, she was big and weightlifting, and she was a debt collector for the Aryan Brotherhood. Now, when I met her, she was tall, skinny, she was making uh, melting plastic and making sex toys. She had her own beaded G-string. And um, she's cool. What, what, what she did was they tried to get estrogen smuggled in and they tried to stop the other chemicals. So Zena wakes up one morning, grabs a felt tip pen, draws lines on her scrotum, yeah. oh, drinks no. a cup of coffee, and without any painkiller at all, she's got the razor blade. And she cuts the scrotum open. Now, the testicles are on branches called the vas deverens. So she goes into one side of the scrotum, cuts through the spermatic cord and the gristle, and she manages to cut one side off. Now, the other side must have known what was about to happen. Because <laughs> it, it, it hid, it retracted, <laughs> it retracted. So now she's got her hand in her scrotum, up in her gut, searching for this other testicle. This yes. is horrible. <laughs> I love this. this. This red hot pain is hitting her now from cutting the first one off. Where she's got it tied off to stop the blood comes undone, and the blood starts spraying across the cell. She's now bleeding to death and losing consciousness but she believes she's got to get this other one off. It's a one-shot deal. <laughs> still, she said she could feel squishy things like organs while she's scrambling around to find this thing. But in the end, she didn't find it. And the prison was informed. Somebody saw this. And they managed to get a helicopter to the prison just in time to get it to hospital to save her life. Now, Zena was put on suicide watch for a year. And when she got off suicide watch... She cut the other testicle off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so just when that testicle thought it was safe, to slink back down into the sack. It's nice. <laughs> this is the most hardcore individual I've ever heard of. Like, like, like uh, It's so comical to me that she plucked out a rapist's eyeball with her bare hand. And then the next week or let's month or whatever, some time period passed. And that same group of rapists got together and said, you know what we should do? We should go rape the eyeball plucking chick. We should go rape. Wait, wait. Wh why are they calling her the eyeball? Well, she, 
they, they point at Dan and he's got a fucking eye patch on him. He's, he's like, I don't know, guys. That seemed a good idea. I'm not going in first. I'll say that for damn Fool sure. Only once. I, Shame on you. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the second guy is like, oh, God, I deserve this. <laughs> I knew what was coming. I saw her sharpening her nails. I saw her practice on round body parts with her own nuts. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened next then. So, all right. So, rape attempt one. Eyeball comes out. Rape attempt two, eyeball comes is out. Is she big and strong during the eye plucking, or is she the leader? Yeah, she spinner? was. She was. She was uh, collecting debts for the Aryan Brotherhood. At that Six point, and a half gotcha. okay, yeah, okay. yeah. That's a big. So eyeball comes out twice. Two separate occasions. Eyeball comes out. They classify Xena as extremely dangerous, and they move on to some of her friends. Now, one friend is gang raped. They shove a light bulb in his backside, and they make bets on who could smash it first. And that prisoner committed suicide afterwards. Another one is gang raped. They get a shovel from the work crew. They hold him down, cut his head off. And when his head is finally off, they put it on display in a part of the prison to show the gangs that they're the most violent and ruthless out of all the gangs. And which and gang that, did that one? Urban Brotherhood. Okay. Jesus. Right. That, that, is, that is really intense. I, that that escalated like it's it, the, the first two examples were were just horrific, but then it escalated so far when we got to a beheading that it's just like where do you go from here? So, Sean, yeah. I thought about this a lot. What's the strategy for a non-tough guy in prison? Right, like you you are not six foot six debt collector. How do you thrive in this environment? Make make sure you get arrested with wild man and over a hundred people who are your bouncers from the rave scene. <laughs> because if I'd have gone in there on my own, I'm not a big tough guy. I'm just a nerdy business graduate. It's raw survival of the fittest. I would have been annihilated by those gang members. But once they saw there was a pack of us, you know, they're like everyone who's coming into the jail. It's like animalistic, and they're looking for the weakest in the herd to slaughter. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're if you're if you're in there with your bouncers. And you're clicking up with the Italian mafia, and Wildman was behaving like a maniac in the, you know, and showing people um, how crazy and dangerous he was. People are not are not going to go towards that. They're going to go towards less dangerous situations to threaten people and bully people and, and try and extort people and, and get money and commissary out of them. Now, my co-defendants were only around me for the first year because the prosecutor wanted me and Wildman to be separate. She wanted me to be separate from my co-defendants. By doubling my bail, she got me away from them. So I didn't know anybody in Max security. She said that we were influencing the co-defendants not to break down and snitch. Sammy the Bull, who was my competitor, 57 people got arrested with him. They all agreed to cooperate. In my case, over 100 got arrested and only four agreed to cooperate. Everybody hung tight. And that's because we were so close-knit. So the prosecutor was concerned that I was influencing um, the co-defendants. So I got moved up up to higher and higher security levels away from them. Can you age out of the game? Like, like at some point, you must be able to. If you're 79 years old, they don't expect you to be uh, an enforcer of any kind, right? The- there's, there's guys in there who've earned their stripes. There was a guy who saved my life at one point called Two Tonys. He was a multiple homicide murderer. Um, he was doing 141 years. He'd left the dead bodies of rival gangsters from Arizona to Alaska. He worked for the Bonanno crime family under Joe Bonanno Sr., who was the longest-running head of the Mafia Council, who never got whacked. 
he ended up living in the same neighborhood as me, Sin Vacas in the Catalina Mountains in Tucson, Arizona, most beautiful place where I've lived in my life. And um, two Tonys, he took me under his wing. I had a situation when I got moved over to a prison where I didn't know anybody. And two Tonys uh, found out and helped me out. So I get to this new cell, don't know anybody. My cellmate is a serial home invader, torturer. He's breaking into people's houses, mostly drug dealers, tying up with duct tape and taking ball-peen hammers to their kneecaps. That was his favorite method of torture. So I show up in his cell and he says to me, um, you know, I, I put my property down on, on my bunk and he had some artwork up there. And he's like, you need to be more aware of your fucking surroundings. And, he, you know, he starts threatening me, saying I could, I could smash your brains in while you sleep. I've got a padlock in the sock. And um, he didn't like me from the get-go. He was an old con. He just wanted to do his, run his illegal tattoo shop and do his heroin and everything in there. Uh, he didn't want me in there. So he schemed to get rid of me. Now, he had a mate, a big guy, um, 20 plus stone, which is two, 240 pounds. And um, they timed it. Prison is like high school mentality with deadly consequences. They knew my parents were flying 5,000 miles to visit me for Christmas. So they timed it. The attack, this big guy attacked me just as I'm walking down this corridor to visit my parents. So he sneaks up behind me. He's like, bam, bam. Chicken shit move. Didn't get in my face. Comes up behind me, kidney punching. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I, I'm not skilled in the arts of fighting at that point. So I turn around, start throwing some kicks and punches. You've got no choice. The prison's looking at you. If you don't hit back, you're a punk. Everyone's got to prey on you. I'm throwing some kicks and punches, and I end up getting beat down on the floor. Didn't work out well for me. Fortunately, a staff member came, and, and it ended. My mom sees me at visitation. I'm all injured. She asks what's wrong. I can't say you know. She's already had a nervous breakdown on my situation. I did manage to get moved out of that cell, and my new cellmate, Long Island, he come from a prison where the, his neighbor said to him, look, I did business with this guy on the street called English Sean. He's a good dude. If you run into him, look out for him. Now, bear in mind, there's 60,000 people in the Arizona Department of Corrections at that time. So it's weird how people came out of the blue to help me. People came out of mm -hmm. the blue to harm me. So Long Island goes, look, I've got a friend, two Tonys. You want to play a game of chess with him? He knew if two Tonys liked me, he would take me under his wing. He didn't tell me that. He was a bit, a bit more slick. I said, yeah, you know, fine. What's he in for? Oh, he's old school mafia, multiple homicide murder, 141 years. I'm like, whoa, hold on a minute. You always play chess. Because <laughs> this guy, if I win, I might be next on his list. And then he yeah. just goes and gets him. And he comes down the stairs like Uncle Junior. He's already served 20, <laughs> he's already served 20 plus years. I'm stood in the day room over the chessboard, nervous, sweating. He sees that. He puts me at ease in a fake British accent. He's like, if you have bloody tea and crumpets with the Beatles and, you know, joking around, clowning around. I beat him at chess. And at the end of the game, he says, look, how come you beat me so fast? I said, you kept speaking your mind all through the game. You wouldn't show someone your hand in a game of cards, would you? And he slaps his head. He goes, oh, me and my big mouth. I didn't know it. He was testing me. He said, look, Sean, to stay alive on the road of life, I've had to become a quick judge of character. I like you. I think you're an honest guy. Would you be willing to write my life story? I said, yeah, I would be honored. So I wasn't supposed to be going in his cell, but he had prisoners outside watching for guards. For months on end, I'm going in his cell. He's, he's telling me his life story. Absolutely fascinating stuff. 
So the lieutenant in the Bonanno crime family who two Tonys came up under was Charlie Batts Battaglia, who'd whacked people from coast to coast, got away with it, and was an expert in getting rid of the bodies. So two Tonys is telling me all these techniques about disposing of corpses. For example, you get a hole dug really deep, get the corpse in there, put some dirt over it, and then put a dead animal you know, a few feet above it. So if the cadaver dogs come out, they hit on the animal and then they stop digging. But the way the Bonanno crime family solved that was they had double-decker coffins. So they'd have a genuine person whose funeral it was, someone they'd whacked would also go in the double-decker coffin and they'd either get buried or, or you know, or, or that's how they got rid of the corpses. So, yeah, I wrote his... I wrote, <laughs> I wrote to Tony's book. It's called The Mafia Philosopher. Two Tonys, but sadly he died in 2010 from his liver cancer from his own drug taking, um, as a lot of people do in prison because hepatitis C is just absolutely rife. A lot of the guys are sharing dirty needles and stuff like that. So Two Tonys, there was a situation with a shot caller whereby i written about prisoners were buying items from the inmate store and they were making their own syringes out of these items. And I put that online. And then the shot caller said, you know, that's tantamount just to putting our secrets out there, put out a green light to have me smashed or killed. And like for two or three days, the whole yard was in uproar because the fellas were liking me. I was doing this blog called John's Jail Journal. My writing was on, got in online. Um, my parents would type it up. My aunt would type it up, you know, put it online from my letters that I was sending home. And the, the prisoners were getting followings. Like people were sending them letters and pen pals and books we, we were filling the whole library up with books we had like a real Shawshank Redemption moment where like 54 books came in one week so half the yard was supporting me <clears throat> saying I was doing a good thing and half the yard were like trying to attack me anyway two Tonys called in a favour and um, after two or three days of craziness people trying to get in my cell other people protecting me after two or three days of craziness it all just died down so Jesus potentially, potentially could have saved my life, yeah. But that's what it's like, and anything could happen at any moment. You mentioned you got into a fight yes. and it didn't go well. Is it okay to lose? Like, like yeah. is there an honor? Absolutely. In uh-huh. The honor is not walking away. The honor is showing heart. So when you go into prison, into jail, in remand, the first thing they want to know anywhere, your charges, that's a charge check, and they'll also do what's called a heart check. So they'll send someone to you. And they'll probe you, find out about you. And then that person might like try to intimidate and bully you just to see how far they can go with it, to see if you're a weakie or if you're showing heart. Huh. So what's what's the correct I imagine that's a tightrope, right? Like if one of let's say you weren't on two Tony's good side and he sends some, you know, big Italian lug into your your cell, how do you walk that line of you know, not being outright aggressive towards him when he starts threatening you, but also not looking like a bitch. Because I'm sure you go too hard at him. He'll be like, yeah, this guy's a fucking problem. Let's let's whack him or whatever the hell it would be. So when I was living with the serial home invader torturer who got his friend to attack me, <laughs> when it, before his friend attacked me, I, I sensed that that was brewing. And they would come in the cell and talk shit to me. And I thought it was going to go off in the cell. And I'm thinking in my head now, you know, if these guys are just going to punk me, that's it. It's over for me. The rest of my life in prison, I am just screwed. So I had, like, my pens right next to me. 
And I was just going to go stick a pen in one of their eyeballs. That's the, I would just have to make an, I would have to have had to have made an example. Otherwise, I would have been raped, attacked, extorted, everything. So it's it's that tense all the time, and I could barely even sleep. You know, I'm not a violent person. I'm thinking there's three guys in here, big guys. They could just fucking take me down and rape me or anything. If I stick a pen in one of the the eyeballs, if they try to rape me, I'm just going to straight shit in my hand and fucking just rub it all over them rub it in their faces this these are the levels of dimension demented behavior that these environments force you to mm -hmm. think about what you're gonna have to do because you're gonna have to re retaliate full on yes. if, if they do something to you otherwise means, you're punk my next question is it okay to win right let's say you're in a fight with some guy and you win one out of ten tries right like you know your odds and you think you've got a 10 percent chance of winning but it's your lucky day now what you know the score. That guy knows the score. Does he get rematches until you're properly punished for winning a fight? Is it okay to win? It depends on the level of the beef. So most beefs are squashed with a one-on-one -on -one fight. The gangs do not want people jumping in on either side, whether it's within a race or outside of a race. Got a bunch of whites jumping in, a bunch of blacks jumping in. You got a race riot. Jail gets locked down. No one comes out of their cells for three days plus. The drug business stops. The absolute priority is to keep the drug business running at all mm. times. If two prisoners have got a beef, then they, the leaders of the gangs will say, right, that cell under the stairs, you guys go in there and squash the beef. And you'll see it happen. You know, you, you can watch it from around the day room and stuff. These guys will fight it out. And at the end, they're having a hug and having a smoke together. Now, there are beefs that can escalate into life and death stuff. There's feuds on the streets that carry over into prison. And there's guys that will just go and pick up a shank and come back and try and kill you. So you've got to be very wary that, you know, who you're dealing with. And as long as it's at that low level, harmony is restored after the beef is squashed. When they take two people in the cell under the stairs and say, work it out. Do they ever talk it out? Like, oh, I didn't say Chomo. I said Chromo. I thought you had Down syndrome. And yeah. they all laugh it off and move on. Do they ever talk it out? You know what? Two Tony said he has used humor to diffuse many a potentially violent situation. But talking it out is more on the female side. In the men's side, it's they're faster than this. You see a guy, he'll be walking down a corridor, he'll look at a guy. Guy say, what are you looking at? He'll say nothing. You calling me nothing. Bam, bam, bam. It's on just like that. It's like a powder keg of stress, especially for the guys who are unsentenced. So Being it, unsentenced is more stressful because you don't know what's going to happen to you, and you're looking to take uh, that stress out on somebody. I asked you what the strategy was, right, for a guy who's not, you know, Herculean. It sounds like losing is it. Like, if I go in there, I, I can't beat up these guys. Just go in, show heart. I hope they accept that. It sounds the like toughest, the, the toughest guys have the highest mortality. Look at Nick. You know, he was proud of winning all these fights. The more fights you win, the more challenges you get. Everybody wants to make their name off the toughest guy in the building. So eventually you're going to come a cropper. My, my strategy was I've done prison survival advice videos. And one of them is titled make alliances with the right people. I had wild man going in I had two Tonys later on. Okay. Why wow. did that guy torture? You mentioned he, it was mostly drug <laughs> dealers, but, but it, it wasn't all drug dealers. It sounded like he had a, a method or like a motive. Oh, he loved it. He loved it. So he was... He <laughs> oh, I was, guess everyone uh, needs a hobby. Okay. <laughs> he was going to court one day 
and he was in a holding cell and there was a suspected chomo. So he held a kangaroo court with him as the judge. <laughs> and, it, and it was decided to stab the chomo, tie him up and, and stab him, which he did. And then he put a knife into the to the um, eyeball of the chomo. He didn't gouge his eye out. He just put it to the eyeball of the chomo like he was going to take the eyeball out. And he told everybody in there, if any of you snitch on what I've done, I will find you or someone in the prison system will find you. We'll fucking take your eyeballs out. We'll fucking eat them. Jesus. So that, that was just kind of his. Some people like to read. Some people like TV shows. Some people like exercise. And he liked breaking people's knees with ball-peen hammers and threatening to gouge your eye. Oh, yeah. And the, the day he got arrested, it was headline news. They had like a tank on the street. And they had like helicopters over the house. And in the end, it, it looked like he was going to go down in a shootout. But in the end, they, one of his female friends came forward and helped the negotiator get him out. He was full on hardcore. Were the different gangs, like like you said, like it's all about business at the end of the day. They want to keep making their money. They want to keep getting their drugs. But was there almost like a hierarchy, like among the non-gang related prisoners where it's like, oh, okay, thank goodness the... Uh, the the Italians took power from the Aryans. You know they all suck, but at least the Aryans. You know they were way more brutal. Or oh, the the Hispanic gangs in charge right now. I really hope that the the black or, or whatever gang takes power because they're being so brutal. Or was it all like mutually assured destruction? The Hispanics cut a guy's head off, and so then the Italians and the Aryans do it, and then the blacks have to show they have to do it too. Like just constantly one upping each other. Or what was that dynamic? Okay, the reason that everybody's prison stories are different. And some people will call other people out and say, it's not like that. That rule isn't right. People don't behave like that. Well, the reason that everybody's prison stories are different is because every prison yard has different prisoners, different guards. There's different rules depending upon who the leader is. For example, I was in one building where every night there was like a fellatio show. There was a white guy getting a blowjob from a trans prisoner in the, in the building opposite, and we'd all watch it and just do, do this like running commentary of jokes, which was a funny <laughs> thing. But when that head of the whites got moved out of the building and a new head of the whites came in, they sent word to the opposite building saying that that white guy getting the blowjob was going to get attacked the very next day unless it stopped immediately. So it depends upon the characters who are in charge, and that's constantly changing. That makes yeah. sense. So I watch another YouTuber. What's Wes's last name? Is it Watson? Watson. That's Watson, yeah. Yeah. And um, he takes a lot of pride in the fact that he was a shot caller. He was in charge. But hypothetical Woody doesn't want to be a shot caller. That's a lot of attention. And I don't think shot callers have a really great track record of, of, of an easy time, right? At some point, someone... Is it good to be the shot caller? It seems like a bad strategy. If you're a big, tough guy and you can handle yourself, there are perks. And respect to Wes Watson, he's blown up on YouTube. He's doing really good. My co-defendant, Wildman, loves watching his videos. Every time I go to his house, he's got a Wes Watson video on. <laughs> I think they're going to end up doing a Skype. I'm training Wildman right now in Skypes. He's not quite there yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Wildman arrives at a prison. He's just been sentenced. And they come up to him and they say, what are your charges? And he says, I've had a long day. I'm going to sleep. And they're saying, no, you don't understand who we are. You need to tell us what your charges are. So he knocks the guy out and he goes to sleep. <laughs> I'm going to go with assault. <laughs> they, 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 say him, they say to him, you shouldn't have done that. 
we're going to find out who you are. A wild man's like, okay, find out who I am. As he's asleep, <laughs> he wakes up and they come back and they say to him, "You, um, we know who you are now. Do you want the guy's job who you knocked out? <laughs> <laughs> we, need you, we need you to apologize to him, but we're going to give you his job. And wild man, well, he's done lots of videos on my channel. There's a wild man playlist about him running the building. He's got to keep the whites, the youngsters under control. And he's running like, um, he's making hooch. He's controlling the gambling. And there are a lot of perks in prison to doing that stuff. If hooch you've got is no alcohol, money whatsoever. Right? Everybody's got to get the hustle on one way or another. So Wes Watson, if that was his hustle, so be it. Wow. Well, I mean, Jesus. at least there's a lot of upward mobility for careers. Piece <laughs> <laughs> the shit out of that guy. And it's like, you know what? Wait, was there like an offer of pay or like, hey, we'll give you drugs to do? I assume like most of the payment was like you get your heroin or you get so, your coke so or whatever. So if man is manufacturing hooch, mm-hmm. he gets to keep a percentage of the hooch. If he's running the gambling tables, he gets to keep a percentage of, of you know, the take. Okay. Now, what if your charges aren't that good, right? Like, you're not a chomo, but you're maybe like a big time tax evader. D- do they like give you an extra hard t- like tax evasion? You're kind of pussy prisoner. Like, how does that? How do they judge they're, you on it? They're probably going to go to Club Fed. So the federal system has got more money because it's backed by the U.S. federal government. Now there are some crazy federal prisons, but there's also the Club Feds, the luxury ones where the politicians go to and stuff like that. The state systems have got no money. And they're the dregs, and you know it's just like they just treat you like you're absolute shit in the. And um, I, I spent a very me. short amount of time in a federal prison. Not one eyeball was plucked while I was there. <laughs> Not a single one. Not a single one. You said the states have no money. Oh, go ahead. Is it that the states have no money, or that a, a chunk of that goes towards profit? The states don't spend hardly anything compared to the feds on the prison conditions. They probably just pocket it. That's what they do. I mean, they have huge budgets. Arizona's got a massive budget for prisons. I think education's like 20th, and prisons is like third on the list. (laughs) So um, someone's taking that money somewhere along the way. But by warehousing prisoners, feeding them food that you can barely eat, and having two guards watching a couple hundred prisoners, that's how they maximize the profits. And that's why there are escapes. In Arizona, they were so cheap, they hadn't fixed the alarm. It had gone off falsely like 200 times approximately in one month. So when some prisoners did escape, the guards were like, all right, it's just going off again falsely. And those prisoners went on a murder spree, and people can look that up. It's online about the um, Arizona prison escape, alarm going off, guards ignored it, and and prisoners, people got killed. Wow. So in – just curious – in pop culture, whether it's movies, TV shows, I'm sure they get prison, all bits of it wrong all the time. But is there a show or something out there that you watched about prison? You're like, holy shit, this one, this one feels way more real than the rest. Or so, none of them are hitting the mark. So there are some silly ones, but there are some good ones as well. None of them are 100%. Mm-hmm. I think um, Profit was a French film. It was really gritty and depressing. Portrayed it well. There's a movie called Shot Caller, and there's a finance guy. He's got he runs a red light with his woman and his friend and her wife, and his friend dies, and he's had too much to drink, so he gets sent down. Now, when he goes in with the new arrivals, 
in the night, there's this skinny black guy walks in and he's looking down really nervous, not giving off the right body language. That guy gets gang raped in the night. So the finance guy's like, shit, you know. The AB guys have been checking him out and they think he's a lame. So when he gets challenged the next day, he just starts throwing punches. He's like, I'm not going to lay down for nobody and that happened to me. And then the gang starts to see his potential. They have him carrying drugs, carrying knives, putting in more and more work. But then he, he gets so much time. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, basically he just makes the situation way worth, worse for himself. And that movie answers one of the questions you asked earlier about you know shot callers. You know, yeah, they can ha- get the hustle on and make things out of it, but also they could get a hell of a lot more time added on. They may ne- never even get out. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. a good movie. I saw that a while back. Solid um, you need to check that out. It's got uh, what's his name that plays Jamie Lannister uh, in uh, Game of Thrones. He's the he's the main character. He gets strong. Is that one brawl brawl in cell block? I can't remember the number, but that's a good one too. <sighs> so we it's haven't even film. touched it's on your film. drug empire. We skipped straight to the <laughs> the we we skipped straight to the horrific part of uh of the consequences but there had to be years and years of fun you know how did uh, you started out you came to the u.s um and uh, you ended up being a stockbroker right like that was your legit job and you were doing really well at that like hundreds of thousands of dollars a a, a year correct of legitimate money within um, five years i was grossing half a million in commissions and then you get into the rave scene and and start experimenting with ecstasy. So when I was at, to, go ahead. When I was at uni, I started taking ecstasy. And before the rave scene, you know, I was too self-conscious to dance, wouldn't go up and talk to women. I had social anxiety. I almost got beat to death by some drunks uh, when I was a teenager, which compounded my anxiety. But then when I took ecstasy, I couldn't stop dancing, wouldn't stop talking to women all night long, and it became my religion. So I told myself, you know, my goal was to make become a millionaire by the time I was 30. I started the trade in the stock market at 16, started following at 14. My economics teacher was giving me classes of my own, and I did achieve that goal, but I had no common sense. I'm in my 20s, testosterone-fueled, no emotional maturity, grossing half a million a year, I'm having to get to the office for the six o'clock in the morning sales meeting because we're on New York stock market hours in Arizona, mm-hmm. getting burnt out on that business, thinking, all right, do I want to keep doing this or should I try and make money for the party scene? And that fateful decision <laughs> cost me everything. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what? I guess what was that decision like? It was just you were so addicted to maybe not the drug itself, but the, man, I'm getting pussy. I feel like I'm a cool cat now. You know, I'm not shy. I'm dancing the night away. I, I'm willing to roll the dice on this. You know, I'm, I'm not going to end up in prison. Not the real thing. Well, it took you to the next level was Wildman's first visit. So Wildman, while I was working up the ranks of stockbrokers, was um, in prison in the UK. Now, he was my best friend since childhood. And... My goal was to get him out to America and have him channel his energy into becoming a professional wrestler. This is how idealistic I was. So, <laughs> so I rented him a house 
by the Georgian Dragon British pub in Central Phoenix, thinking he'll just go to the pub while I'm at work, chill with the expats, have a beer, and nothing bad will happen. Now, within a couple of months, me and my girlfriend show up at Wildman's place, and a bunch of Mexicans answer the door. I'm like, where's Peter? They're like, Peter? Yeah, Peter, he lives here. No, we didn't order pizza. No, not pizza. Peter, where's Peter? <laughs> and then they all pull guns out, and me and my girlfriend like start backtracking across the road. And the wild man just bounces over the road, all smiles. I'm like, we just nearly got shot. What's going on with your place? He says, they are the local crack dealers. The guy at the back, he's the he's from Colombia. He's running this, the, the crew of Mexicans. They like to move around a lot, so I've rented them the place. They're buzzing because I can do one hundred dollar crack rock in one breath. <laughs> they love it when I do that, and um, <laughs> they, so do they, I. They're giving me all this crack for free. And I'm just living at their place over the street right now. They like to move around. So Wildman, wherever he went, he took control of the street people and he just started to do endless amounts of crack and crystal meth. <laughs> he, would, he would smoke it nonstop and he would stay up for two weeks at a time. <laughs> he would go off on a walk for like two or three days. We didn't know where he was. And he'd come back with holes in his shoes and his feet all bleeding. <laughs> He got hospitalized. I mean, it's, it's, it was so hot out there in Arizona. He got hospitalized. His, his heart, something happened with his heart. So we went to visit him in the hospital. And they got all these sensors on him and the monitors and shit. And he says, look, this thing happened to my heart. I was dehydrated, blah, blah, blah. Give me an ecstasy pill. I gave him an ecstasy pill. I thought he was just going to take it when he got out to celebrate. And he popped it up right there in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> all the... Things start beeping and shit. <laughs> so we, we all we all run out of that place. And um Wildman's apartment, that one I got him didn't last very long. A guy came over to buy drugs from the Mexicans. He'd never Wildman had never seen guns before. The guy started to demonstrate his gun to Wildman and shot himself in the head and killed himself. And that place ended with a corpse on the doorstep. And, you know, the, the cops coming out and everything. So Wildman then moved over to a place on the west side. Your stories escalate quickly. McDonald's and, and then an asteroid hit the building and everyone exploded. <laughs> at least Wildman lasted a few months at that first place. He only lasts a few days at the next. So he moves in with two women and a bouncer <laughs> from a club on Van Buren. This guy's a steroid head. Disco dancing cowboy with permed hair, claiming he's a member of the Gangster Disciples. And it was the girls who had Wildman move in over there because they were behind on the rent. So I, I cut a check to the office. Wildman moves in. But I knew Gangster Disciple guy was going to be a problem. So within days, I get a call from the office saying that Wildman's roommate has been attacked by Wildman and he needs to move out. He's getting evicted. I said, well, how do you know Wildman's roommate has been attacked? I mean, you know, what's, what proof do you have of this? And she said that the gangster disciple dude was seen fleeing from the apartment in the middle of the night by the neighbors, 
with plasterboard dust all over his head and face. <laughs> and there were multiple, oh, there's multiple holes in the walls. Fortunately, he did this so fast, I was able to stop the check. They hadn't even cashed the check. <laughs> so the girls that he was living with said, look, we know another apartment that's behind on the rent over in Tempe, Arizona. And this yeah, now let's was roll the, the dice beginning. this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> this now was the beginning of the criminal enterprise. So he moves over to Tempe, Arizona. This is party town now, you know. And um, we're partying there every weekend. And we're getting like up to 50 to 100 pills from the local dealers. That's all we could get. I'm just showing off, you know. My ego's as big as the Grand Canyon, making more money than I've got common sense. I'm in my 20s, giving pills away for free. When you give drugs away for free, you attract a lot of friends. So now mm. I'm starting to see the business potential of it. So Acid Joey, he's dead now. Most of my male friends from back then are dead now. He was found um, dead in his swimming pool with his clothes on. Um, God rest his soul. So Acid Joey, he was our supplier back then, local supplier. And he found out that the local middleman was getting the pills out of L.A. So I set a deal up to go out to buy a 1,000 pills. Now, two car loads of us went out there. I've got me and Wildman in one car. I've got another huge guy called Seth. He's also dead now. And um, Acid Joey in, in that car. And we drive out there. I've got you know the money to buy a 1,000 pills, 10 plus K, whatever it was. But we're waiting for hours outside this guy's house in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And the tension's rising. Wildman's like, when he shows up, I'm just going to go in and take his fucking pills. He's kept us waiting for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, the if you do that, is rapidly turning into a robbery. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that, how are we going to have a regular supply, man? Just, just chill. But if I don't come out of here in 15 minutes, then steam in. So eventually he shows up. I go in. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Point Break, but they were yep. like these. Soul, Soul was the dealer, and he had all these surfer gangster dudes straight out of Point Break in there. I'm thinking, am I going to get jacked? Are the cops watching these guys? So I'm quite nervous. I've got all this money on me. I say, all right, I've got the bills. Where's the pills? He goes in the back room. I'm thinking, is he going to come out with a gun, just take this money off me? There's nothing I could do, pretty much. He comes out with the biggest bag of pills I've ever seen in my life, like Mitsubishi. <laughs> so I say, all right, before we do this deal, is it okay if I try one? He goes, yeah, sure. So he gives me a pill, and I put it in my mouth. He goes, do you want a drink with that? I chased. I said, no, I'm just going to chew it to see what it tastes like. Because over the years, I'd learned what a good pill tastes like. A good pill should be 100, 125 milligrams of MDMA and clay. So I'm chewing this pill. He's looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm just chewing a raw pill. And it tasted like the real thing. So I did the deal, left, go back to Wildman's new place in Tempe, Arizona, and within a weekend, they were gone. So that was it. Then I'm thinking, right, the business experiment has succeeded. I no longer need to be a stockbroker. There's an arbitrage opportunity here. These pills are going for $25 to $30 in the clubs. Get that was going to be my question. You took those. You took that bag of pills, and how much money did you pay for them, and how much did you turn that into? I think that first transaction, probably about $12 a pill, which slowly went down over time. Until at the peak of it, I've got about 200 people working for me, and I'm getting them out of Holland for like two or three dollars a pill, yeah. bringing in bringing in like wow. thirty, forty thousand at a time. How often? But, how long did it take you to get through thirty, forty thousand pills? Oh, this is over the years. So Sammy the Bull moved in towards the end 
of things when things start. Loving the dark. nicknames. <laughs> this is the uh, this is great. Yeah. That guy's famous. I, I know. I got I got um I got in with the locals in about ninety six, ninety seven when I was just raving with them. So the locals would come up to me with their projects, their party ideas. Their nickname for me was the Bank of England. And they would ask me to invest in their party ideas. Now, over time, what I did was all these little clicks that were throwing the parties were competing. I unified all those little clicks and incorporated them into my enterprise. And it was structured like a corporation. So we've got a head of every faction. And then there's crime family dinner every month for the heads of the factions. And people say, all right, you know, they're going for 25, 30. You're getting them for two or three dollars. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But I think it was Unilad or Lead Bible. They did like a graph and they made an error on it as well. So I'll, I'll correct that for you guys. So if I'm getting them at three, mm-hmm. I'm giving them to my head of a faction, maybe 5,000 at a time on credit at $10 a pill. And then he's giving them to his middle guy at 15, 20. And they're getting sold on the on the streets on the on the on the clubs twenty five to thirty, so my profit might just be seven dollars on forty thousand, but you know it's still a quarter of a million. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Jeez, what was the fun of it? You know, I'm sure at the beginning, like you said, you're bullheaded, you're young, you know, nothing can take you down. Was the just amount of fun you were having pushing down all the stress? Because like I'm I'm a very high stress person. I can't imagine having a a fucking ecstasy drug empire under me. Like were you just always running through your thoughts? Like, Oh my God, what if one guy flips and then it leads to this and then back to me and then I'm fucked. Like, were you constantly paranoid or just so wrapped up? Okay. This journey, as you'll see with all journeys of people getting into the drugs game has a cycle. Mm-hmm. The beginning is the fun, the gl- the glitz, the glamour. I'm throwing Parties for up to 10,000 people out in the desert. Got four stages. Got DJs flown in from around the world. Got my bouncers running around, armed to the teeth. I'm the man now. I'm this <laughs> cool guy. You know, um, women coming up, ravers, um, strip, striptease dancers coming up all night long, thanking me for the pills. Guys coming up, you know, giving me hugs, thanking me for the party. And that is just one big ego feed mm-hmm. like i said you know my ego was as big as the grand canyon but yeah that was motivating me to keep doing it the amount of you know knock you get I, um, <laughs> my, my um third wife was she was doing lesbian internet porn when i met her she was very intelligent she had a degree from uh, the university there in tucson and um her thing was that women could join us sexually give us both oral pleasure, but then the woman would have to leave and we would have full-on sex. And that that even carried through until our wedding day. <laughs> on, our, on, 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 on our wedding day, we went, we went to the Little White Chapel in Las Vegas. <laughs> and on the way back, I think we were staying at Caesar's Palace. Someone on the strip just hands us one of those sleazy magazines. This is in the late 90s. And um, she's like, I want to go to a brothel. It's my wedding day. I want to go to a brothel. So I'm thinking, who am I? Who am I to stand in the way of my wife's wishes when my wife wants to go to a brothel on our wedding day? I've got to satisfy this demand. So I start calling the brothels in Las Vegas. I'm saying, look, 
me and my wife want to come over and they're like these are gentlemen's clubs you can't bring your wife over here that's not allowed so i'm like eh, you know going limp now thinking this isn't going to happen mm-hmm. and um she goes she's getting more and more pouty and then she goes well just call a woman out to the room so i think the same thing's going to happen i call a number in this magazine i say look me and my wife want to you know my wife's bisexual we want to be pleasured um do you have a woman you know that, that that fits this yeah no problem at all 150 dollars for now we'll send a woman right over so we're in uh my wife's got lines of coke on a table because you know i was at operations in mexico i was clicked up with mexican cartel guys clicked up with the new mexican mafia i could get a kilo of cocaine for about twelve thousand dollars like pure slab glistening with pearly iridescence cocaine not the cut shit that you see on the streets of, of london and england <laughs> not the shit you have taylor so my wife's cutting lines of coke the escort shows up my wife's uh, like a, a texas blonde escort is a brunette in this like red outfit and um so she comes in and i say here's what we want to happen my wife wants to be pleasured orally then you're going to pleasure me orally. Then you're going to leave because we're going to have sex. It's our wedding day. It's like, cool, $150. We give it her. She goes, do you mind having a line of Coke? We're like, okay. So she like, makes this master blaster line of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, hold on a minute. We're from Arizona. We're on the Mexican border. That's pure stuff. I can handle my shit. Blah, 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 blah. All right, so who, who was I to get in the way? She does this master blaster line. My wife's on the bed. She goes down on my wife. I'm watching this, getting turned on. Want to jump on, but I can't. You know, my wife set the rule that she gets pleasured, I get pleasured. Girl has to leave. We have sex. I'm abiding by that. But I'm getting really aroused watching this. Then that bit's done. The women jump up. <laughs> the escort does another huge line of coke. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I get on the bed, she's so high, she grabs my dick with this iron welder's grip. <laughs> <laughs> and she's giving it, she's giving it this on my dick. And I've got to hold on to my nut for my wife because it's our wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to bust one. So I'm thinking, like, Pythagoras' theorem. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Margaret Thatcher. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> possible. Try and make my dick go down. I'm, I'm just desperately holding on. And in the end, I had to stop it. And it's time now for me and my wife um, to, to consummate our wedding. But the escort, she jumps up, does more cocaine, starts to tell us her life story. And I felt really sad at this point. <laughs> but, my wife, but, but my wife didn't. She pulls out a picture of a kid. She's like, I'm out here from Nebraska. I'm new to this. You know, I'm a single mom trying to make money for my kid, doing things that I don't, you know, necessarily want to do. I think you guys are the coolest couple in the world. Why don't you take me back to Arizona? Can I come out clubbing with you guys tonight and all this shit? I'm, I'm, my heart's open, but my wife's, just, <laughs> my wife's just like getting furious. She's just like looking at me. So in the end, the escort goes to the toilet. My wife says to me, do you want to get rid of her or should I? And in the end, I just said, look, I'll get rid of her. She goes, the whole point of calling escort eyes out, they fucking leave your room when the business is done and this girl's never going to leave. So, okay. I said, all right, all right. 
I'll, I'll politely get rid of it. I'll tell her we got to go clubbing, whatever. So that's what we did. And um, yeah, man, you know, your question was, why, why was I involved in this drug empire? <laughs> A motivating factor if you're the party kingpin. No, you've sold that- me. This sounds really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I had guys running the ecstasy through strip clubs and I had uh, striptease dancers running the ecstasy through strip clubs. So they get all the money then from the customers and then they come to our after parties. So at these after parties, <laughs> I'd rent like the um, the villa, the Hilton Villas in Scottsdale for days on end. People be going around in roller skates and on, on bicycles, just, just naked people putting, you know, candle wax on each other. There'd be a jacuzzi on each end. And um, it was just a really good vibe. We had all these DJs in, never any violence. So- and you didn't even have to be having sex. People just being cuddle puddles, massaging each other's shoulders, doing the Vicks inhaler thing. Someone just touches your skin, you're in ecstasy. You almost have an orgasm. What's the you- Vicks inhaler thing? So when you're on ecstasy, your senses are heightened to a certain degree. And when you do the Vicks inhaler, it just goes throughout your lungs and you just like have this wave of bliss. Huh. You mentioned the stages of success. You're like, hey, at the very beginning, it's a big party. It's fun on the rise. Can you continue on what the rest of that path looks like? Absolutely. I don't want to glamorize this here. I fear that I may be at risk of doing that so far. Let me make this clear to the audience at this point. My job now is going to schools and scaring the living daylights our kids with the jail conditions and the consequences of drugs in the hope they won't get involved in drugs and crime. And I also donate books. My book, Hard Time, is about the jail conditions. I've donated 20,000 books in the last couple of years to school kids and prisoners in the hope they won't you know, do the stupid shit I did. So going more over to the consequences side of it, then you do eventually enter the dark side of drugs. Because every time you take drugs, you're always chasing those first highs. First time you do ecstasy, yeah, you have the time of your life. You're dancing all night long. You're telling people your life story, you know. And um, the next time you do it, the pleasure goes down. A little fraction that you don't notice. And in the background, the pain, the side effects, rises a little fraction that you don't notice Mm. and over the years those curves cross and if you're addicted a lot of people do drugs and they'll be fine but if you've got an addictive personality and you can't stop when that pain rises above the pleasure you keep going even though you know what it's going to lead to the the prison police or death and i learned that because in the jail 90 percent injecting heroin two-thirds hepatitis c all the day revolved around getting the drugs in even though they knew they were gonna die yellow jaundice skin teeth rotting out and that made me ashamed of putting people on the road of drug use i saw this is the end of that road this is the horror of what it leads to mm-hmm. and i knew i couldn't change my past so i resolved to just go out and, and share my story so others wouldn't make my mistakes so over time you know we had a good run and um you start mixing your drugs up to get the, to chase those early highs. Mm-hmm. I think that there was a newspaper article. They called us the Zek tribe. And that's because we were mixing Xanax and ecstasy and ketamine. Um, at one point, um, Coke and ketamine. We call, you know, like CK, we call that. Are you writing um, this down Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah. Crystal meth. By the time, 
by the time the indictment came down, the prosecutor said most of my co-defendants were chronically addicted to crystal meth, and they didn't have hardly any belongings, a lot of them. So that's 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 how it ends up. And in my book, Party Time, there's, at the very end of it, it says, where are they now? And nearly all my male friends from back then, one by one, are dead because of the lifestyle choices. You mentioned, you were, making, oh, ahead, uh, you mentioned you were making about a half a million a year before the drug thing off your finance commissions. Is that what I mean? So that is a stupid thing. I didn't even need to be doing the drugs. I, I was, was worth gonna... two million in the stock market yeah. during the dot com bubble. So money wasn't even your motivation for doing the drug thing. It's like not. half cool. a million a year. Like some people make more, but that's okay. enough. You're not hurting. You can buy anything you want. Most I've written. I've written the longest ever book about Escobar. It's over a thousand pages long. Pablo Escobar's story. I've researched the shit out of his life, and there came a point in time when his brother said, "Look, we're worth billions. Why don't we just buy our own island?" Kick back. Rival gangsters won't kill us. We won't end up in prison for the rest of our lives. We can live happily ever after, effectively. Pablo Escobar turned around to his brother Roberto and said, you want me to kick back on some boring-ass island, you know, on a deck chair, sipping a margarita? I'm just paraphrasing. And um, when I'm running a multi-billion dollar business, when my money puts the president of Colombia in power, when thousands of people are working for me. It's all ego. It is psychological. The lifestyle is more addicting than the cash and the drugs. That makes sense. Now you left yeah, it, right? I'm sorry, Taylor. Do you want to finish your thought? No, no, go for it. I, I, I think I read on your Wikipedia page that you stopped doing the whole party drug thing. Like you left it and they kind of convicted you what I'll call from the grave. Like you were done. You closed shop. And they still came after you. Am I right on that? Yeah. What happened was um, I'd met a woman, fallen in love, and she taught me out of it. And I, I quit a year before I got caught. I thought they had to catch you with drugs. They don't. Statue of Limitations, Arizona. Anyone from your past within seven years, if they tell the cops they did a deal with you, they've got you. They've got a witness. Something I forgot to mention about the dark side of drugs then. When Sammy the Bulls crew started to move in, that is when it got really dark. He, those people brought in the feds and all the undercovers. They lit the scene up. We saw cars driving around, videoing, cameras, recording license plates, recording people going in and out the, the clubs, parties. Now, they enticed my top sales guy, Skinner, to a nightclub in Scottsdale under the pretext of doing a drug deal. These were people who you know worked for the ball. And that we found out later on. And they took him into the men's room and knocked his teeth out and took all of his drugs off him. So I moved over 100 miles at that point to Tucson in, in the Sin Vacas community in the, in the mountains there. And um, it was a gated, guarded community. To get into that neighborhood, you had to go to the guard and you had to call the house just to let you in. That's how sketchy it got. Because, like I said, I structured it like a corporation and had all the heads of each faction. They were my shield. I always told myself when those when that shield gets pierced, I'm next. Yeah, and that's that's what happened. I, I you know, the the police took down the bull and his crew, and I'm thinking, thank you, you've just eliminated my competition. But then all those resources that were on the bull were redirected at me and my crew. That makes sense, and that's why you stopped because you felt like you were about to get caught. No, I stopped because of multiple reasons. 
the Nasdaq had crashed. I'd lost a lot of my money and I was depressed. I met a woman. I was in love with her. She was saying it's so dangerous. You've got to stop this. Was she Sketchy the woman you married? Ha- Same woman from the previous No, week? different one. Okay. Sketchy things were happening to uh, my friends. And with all the undercover activity, I had a lawyer and he said, um, heads up, you know, from the DEA, you know, they're coming after you. And it was a multi-agency uh, task force that, that, that came after me. So there was a, a combination of factors that motivated me to stop. And I was back to trading the stock market online. I'd enrolled in college doing Spanish. And I was trying to be a, a normal person. We were going to actually move to L.A. Um, you talked about ecstasy being addictive. I, I don't have any drug experience, really. Is it like... Uh... There's addictive like the internet is addictive, right? Where you just kind of are compelled to do it every day. And then there's withdrawals addictive. What is the ecstasy cycle like or the lifetime? Like? Okay, it's it's not the drug per se. It's the individual. So most people, I mean, over half of young people in this country experiment with drugs. And they'll go on to lead completely normal lives. And the biggest drugs they do in this country, in the UK, is weed, um, coke, and ecstasy. But there is a minor percent of people who've got addictive personality types. And once they get on that road, they will just self-destruct. They will just keep going. They'll just all out keep going until they self-destruct. And that was the case for me and my co-defendants. I've got an addictive personality type. Did you bring any ecstasy into prison when you were there? Like have that brought in because you probably still had some remnant connections or is you know, you haven't mentioned ex- like ecstasy doesn't seem like it would be a prison drug, like more of a rave drug. I can't imagine the be- cuddle puddles in prison. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Rocco. Be- before, before I got arrested, the guards, guards were buying ecstasy off me that they were uh, redistributing in the prison system. Once I got arrested, you know, I was already trying to sever myself from that community. And once I got arrested, I was just fighting for my life then because the sentence length I was facing, there was no way I was going to bring any drugs in. But once the woods found out because there was a newspaper article that said I was, you know, over the years I'd done more than Sammy the Bull. So once they read that in the prison, in the remand jail, Towers Jail, the woods, they were like, all right, we know you've got connections. Bring, have your girlfriend bring stuff in through visitation. And I said, look, Alaska, I didn't know how to you know, respond properly. I said, Alaska, and I kept like slow playing it. But in the end, those prisoners who were sweating me, they caused a race riot and they ended up getting moved. So that threat went away. But the race riot story is quite mental if you want to hear that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'd love the, the, the lead up, the, the action, and the, the, the post log. Yeah. <laughs> so as I mentioned, um, there were the four major racial categories. And the head of the blacks, I have to change names for legal reasons. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I use a name that's a different name from, for the same story, and people have called me out on that. But when you're publishing books, legal departments go over them and they make you change names. So um, I'll call the head of the blacks SmackDown. And he was a boxer, and he had never lost a fight. And he was bullying members of all races for commissary. He came in my cell and he tried to bully a Snickers bar out of me. And I was like, look, you know, can't eat the food in here. That's like a meal for me. If I give you that now, you know, I'm not, it's like, I'm not going to have a meal today. So he was sweating me and he ended up going away. 
but he did sweat people and get stuff out of them. So all the heads of every racial category except for the blacks got together and they said, we've got to do something about SmackDown. Well, you know, if we have one guy say to him, look, one-on-one in the cell under the stairs, because he's such a trained fighter, he's going to win. And that gives him his right to stay then because he's won the beef. So mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll send a torpedo in from each race. Now, a torpedo is someone who's just going to go in, no questions asked, do whatever the head of the race says to earn his stripes. So you've got a Mexican national torpedo who was called Diablo. You've got a Chicano torpedo. I can't remember his name. And then you've got a wood torpedo who uh, my crew knew and Wildman knew this guy. He was like um, some tough cowboy guy out in Nebraska or somewhere like that. And um, they also say, right, we're going to send three in and we're going to have three more outside the cell just in case, you know, <laughs> in case it goes bad for the first three. <laughs> is this guy big so, or just skilled? Like, is he a 130, 150 pound champion or like a 210 pound champion? Like, how big is this guy? He wasn't as big as my mate T Bone, but we can get to him later on. He was, he was like John Coffey out of um, mm. that movie. That's <laughs> King, yeah, yeah. The he, he, he was a decent sized guy. Balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the blacks are downstairs, the day room in Towers Jail. It's got these octagonal silver tables bolted to the floor. Then there's a metal grid stairs running up to two tiers of cells facing the front. Now, there's four pods exactly the same like that in this tower. And in the middle of the tower is a glass bubble raised up with two guards overwatching the four separate pods. So... In the day room of this, it, the pod was designed for 15 men. The triple bunk, they've got 45 guys in there. So in the day room, you've got the blacks on the table doing the gambling, cards, dominoes, whatever it was. And SmackDown is up in his cell. The heads of the races, they give the green light. So it, it goes off upstairs. The three guys go in. You've got more guys outside on the stairs guarding the position. And you got the blacks now downstairs starting to notice that something's kicking off. All of a sudden, then the whole pod just starts fighting. People are picking up mops and brooms and doing ninja moves. And <laughs> the um the guard on duty, he was a really tough guy. He was supposed to wait for backup in a riot situation. He put on a spacesuit. <laughs> He grabs a fire extinguisher-sized canister of chemical spray, and he's working his way down now from the fishbowl, the bubble. It's like a spiral stirs. So he's going to come out at the base of the tower, open the sliding door, and come in and spray everybody. And he's kind of come in right behind me. I was on the phone with my girlfriend. They cut the phone line. I'm trying to get up the stirs. This huge black guy comes down the stairs like a bowling ball, knocks everybody over. <laughs> Crazy. People are battling for positions on the stairs. I'm trying to elbow my way just back to my cell. The guard comes in. He starts spraying. When you spray that stuff, snot just streams 
and your eyes just water. Mm-hmm. And people did disperse. I managed to get back to my cell. I've got a cellmate called Troll, and I've got another cellmate who's an old timer. And the old timer says, Look, when that chemical spray gets released, what you've got to do is you've got to wet your towel, wrap it around your head, and keep blinking and blinking and blinking over and over again. And that, that washes the chemical out, which is what I did. Now, the guards come in, the backup guards, everyone's in the cells, but we can still hear fighting. So I'm getting curious now. You know, I want to look out my towel, out my plexiglass window. And um, what had happened was the torpedoes, two of them had managed to get out of SmackDown's cell, but the white torpedo was still in there. And they'd, they were just opening up with the chemical spray and they were fighting blind. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I later learned was when the cowboy went into SmackDown cell with the two other torpedoes, he snuck behind him and he got behind him and he managed to get him into a headlock. But because SmackDown was a trained fighter, he pushed the guy back against the wall, tilted his head forward, flicked it back violently and instantly broke the cowboy's nose. Mm Mm-hmm. The cowboy's holding on to his neck and the other guys are just punching the shit out of SmackDown, but he was so tough, you know, it wasn't really having much of an effect. So <laughs> when the when the, the spraying began, the two torpedoes, they got out, but the cowboy didn't get out in time. And now you've got this fight of the blind men until that stopped. Now, when that did eventually stop... <laughs> The cowboy comes out first and his nose is pointing in the wrong direction. And he says in his polite cowboy twang to the guards, he says, before you handcuff me, do you mind if I put my nose back in place? (laughs) And they're just looking at him like he's crazy. (laughs) So the guard nods and he just gets his hand and just, just puts his nose back in place, yeah. So they take him away, because if you're in a fight like that, you're going to go straight to lockdown and the punishment block. They take him out. Then they bring SmackDown out. SmackDown looks completely uninjured. Oh, no. <laughs> and he just turns around to the whole pod as the, as the guards are escorting him out, and he goes, that three-on-one bullshit, I'm going to have all y'all when I get out of the <laughs> <laughs> Did he? SmackDown did he, sounds cool. Did, <laughs> did SmackDown uh, cool off maybe while he was in solitary? Or like, how did that work out? I, I think that he ended up just um, permanently locked down. Because he'd, he'd been in so many fights and so many... SmackDown and build, Cowboy could have ruled the block together. <laughs> probably not probably. like Batman and Robin they're not parallel yeah so it's not, if, if I watch enough Wes Watson videos his real crime was bullying outside his race right you're supposed to keep that stuff in your own race right that, yeah, that's why they green lit him to mm-hmm. have him attacked yeah absolutely he was violating the rules yeah hmm. so so I know the just rules mean, like if you're going to fuck with someone and you're in the Aryan gang, not like the head honcho guy, you, you fuck with other Aryans. You don't go mess with the 
Cholo okay. or whatever you said the other I hit, The deal is this. They want to keep the drugs business running. They want harmony to an extent. Now, if two black guys have got a beef, you know, go under the stairs, squash the beef. Two white guys have got a beef, go under the stairs, squash the beef. Black guy and white guy, same thing. Go under the stairs, squash the beef. They don't want it igniting into a race riot. If you've got issues within your race, you go to your head and the head makes the decision according to the convict code. So what was happening was multiple people who were getting bullied by SmackDown were going to their individual heads and saying, look, this guy's doing this to me. This guy's doing that to me. It's going against you know, the racial mm-hmm. conduct. What's go- is something going to happen about this guy? And so many people went to so many heads that the heads got together and they decided to end it by sending the three torpedoes in. Okay. You, you mentioned just then the, the convict code. Now, I'm sure you've yeah. gone over some of that, you know, a lot of rules thus far just in this conversation. What yeah. What's some of those kind of, or bits of that code that those of us who've never been to maximum security prison would have no idea or maybe not expect? So you guys are probably hit to a lot of it already. Like snitches get stitches, you know, mm-hmm. sex offenders, the chomos, they're going to get stabbed up, KOS, kill on site. Some offenses are SOS, smash on site. So, for example, drive-by shootings. If a woman and a excuse me, if a woman and kids get hit, especially in drive-by shootings, that happens a lot. They don't like that at all. Um, the gang members, mm-hmm. the heads. So you're going to get a beat down at least for a drive-by shooting. You know, if you know a guard from the streets, maybe you went to the same school, you knew a guard from some something. Keep it to yourself because that will get exploited. If you start chatting to the guard, you're through because they're going to think you're snitching or you're grassing, you know, you're grassing someone else. In England, they say grass means snitch. I know a lot of Americans don't understand that. Grassing someone out means snitching someone else. Mm-hmm. So um, showering, bad hygiene. Um, the guy who was in the shootout, the drive-by, who the girl's nipple had come off, that guy, like I said, you know, he was this huge guy, like 300 pounds. And um, he was sweating constantly and it was thinking a bit. So the gang, the Chicanos got together and had a meeting about him, a hygiene meeting. And he was, they they were either going to beat him up and make him roll up, just end the problem right there. But they allowed him to stay on the grounds that he had a shower every couple of hours and coated his his, uh, skin in baby powder after every shower. <laughs> so I think I must have spelled ripe <laughs> every couple hours. I had to have a meeting. To man, this, this is fucking up. getting gross, man. <laughs> so we know you can't snitch, right? Can you get away yeah. with dry snitching? Like, So I watch these prison YouTube video genres, right? And, and mm-hmm. an example of dry snitching, right? Maybe you beat me up. And then I'm all bruised and marked up. I go to the cafeteria and eat, right? That's my way of letting people know that shit went down and, and, and maybe that's a way of telling on you without ever doing it. Do, do people get away with dry snitching at all or is that stuff? I'll give you a story from Two Tony's book. So Two Tony's, you know, he was in decades before me in the 70s and the 80s. And there was a young prisoner that he was he was talking to regularly and he became friends with. And the guy only had a year left. He was going to get released. But the guy idolized the Aryan Brotherhood. He was rising up. 
and he wanted to earn his stripes. So they gave him a piece of metal and they said, do a number on this guy and you'll be a full patched in member. And he dropped the metal, you know, where the guards could see it and didn't do the hit. And the two Tonys went to the shot caller and said, you know, he's only got, he's only got a year left, blah, blah, blah. And the guy said, we got to make an example. It's a done deal. Back away. And two Tonys knew then if he backed this guy up anymore, he would be hit next. So he backed away. And he said he was on the record and he just talked to the kid. And he's, you know, the kid said, well, hey, fix me up with the fellas. I'm going to go and walk the yard with this guy. And the guy was, you know, the guy who was the shot caller who was going to, who had already put the green light. And he said, Tony saw the, the, the torpedoes, the probates, digging up the shanks on the wreck field. And the guy's got his arm around, you know, like the youngster telling him, you know, you're going to be all right. And then they, they just come up and did the hit. God and he damn. said, yeah, and, and it, it really affected two Tonys. And he said, you know, it made him want to help people um, later on in his life. Two Tonys was released from that sentence. And the guy who was responsible for that hit, um, he ends up showing up at Two Tonys' house when he got released. And Two Tonys helped him out because they were all clicked up, these Aryan Brotherhood guys. But then the guy started to take over to Tony's house. He moved the crystal meth chemist in. And two Tony's knew this guy was going to kill him. So two Tony said, look, let's go and do this robbery in Flagstaff. I think it was. And he's driving up there with him and he knows, you know, they've got a gun and they're going to take him out. Two Tony's um, gets out of the car at a gas station, um, just turns around at the window and just fucking shoots the guy and kills him. So he did kill the guy eventually. Wow. So uh, yeah, they put a hit on that young guy with only a year left. Yeah, I'm naively still hoping a hit means he got like a black eye. No, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead, huh? Shanked shanked in the femoral artery and shanked in the chest plate. and and he didn't survive that. That's the quickest (laughs) way to go. They'll get your heart and they'll get your femoral artery. Because I've got, got a video, I've got a video on my channel of a um, an Aryan Brotherhood gang member murdering another <laughs> prisoner who had refused to beat someone up for the gang, and he doesn't have access to a shank or anything. And bear in mind, this is the, the Maricopa County Jail's security camera. The guard mm. is supposed to be watching this, stopping any trouble. So what happens is the prisoner goes back to his cell. Everything seems fine with the gang members. The shot caller. Um, what was his name? Van Winkle or something. He he walks up the stairs, goes in the cell, a fight ensues, and then for 10 minutes, he just starts smashing this guy's head over and over and over into the concrete. And he keeps looking at the guard's camera like, what the fuck? <laughs> so Guard stomp responded 10 minutes in, and then he just starts stomping on the guy's head and neck. And, the guards did um, that. No, the, the guard, the, the guy, murderer. Oh, okay. So 20 minutes in, <laughs> the guy's dead. 
guard still haven't responded. Jesus Christ. He picks the corpse up, brings it out of the cell, right in front of the camera, like he's trying to show it off. <laughs> Tries to throw it off a balcony. <laughs> it gets stuck in the railing. The guards still don't come. So he just starts kicking it and kicking it and kicking it and kicking it. <laughs> and then eventually, and then eventually, they come in. He claimed it this show. Yeah, because of the smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he started rotting and decomposing. <laughs> this shows how much control the gangs have got over the prisoners versus the guards. The gangs are in complete control. So yeah, it sounds uh, like it. I, I don't know if you know. Kyle did a did two months in a minimum security thing, and and he explained guard motivation. He said the guards really, really cared about the count. Right, that that was their big thing. All the prisoners need to stay in prison. Outside of that, everything was they barely gave a fuck. They didn't care too much if prisoners hurt each other. They didn't care too much if just, prisoners needed to be where they were supposed to be during the count. And outside of that, no one cared. Is that your experience at these more intense prisons? Yeah, the guards would um, have prisoners fight on and make bets on who was going to win. And that that um, race riot situation, the head of the whites um, was this guy called Gravedigger. He was like a cage fighter, six foot something. He had a, like the devil as a puppet master on his chest. And there was a guard who um, just used to love watching him fight. And they'd, he'd have guys like pinned down on the floor and he'd be using his elbows as chisels just one after the other into the person's face until they were just in like a bubbling pool of blood. And the guard, the guard would love it. He would just be watching it. I'd like yeah, to so that. Yeah, cool. so don't fuck with the count, though. <laughs> fuck with the count, and you are through, man. <laughs> Did the guards ever use the other... Like, So I, um, I used to know a couple of prison guards, and they used the inmates to discipline each other. You know, that people would get raped. And they're laughing as they tell me the stories and clapping to imitate the sound of the rape. And I'm horrified at this, right? Some guy is getting raped and they're thinking it's a funny way to discipline a guy who's been a pain in their ass. It, is that Well, like I said earlier, even guards who have well-meaning intentions within six months, the evil negative environment that energy has absorbed them and they become stone cold at first but then there becomes this us versus them mentality where you know every, both sides are trying to get over on each other and both sides have got equally insidious uh senses of humor when it comes to the thing bad things happening to the other side so yeah guards might be like that but you know prisoners equally would um make jokes about the guards and if a prisoner intervened in a situation let's say like say a female guard was getting attacked or something like that um it could go it could go either way you know depending on who the shot caller is if you've intervened on a female guard's side then you're a sellout and you you know you're gonna get green lit or you know you're protecting a woman from potentially getting raped to protect you know preventing a sex offense Right. Depends who the shot caller is. It's would like, make that are you call? for yeah. sex offense or against? Because you're kind of getting mixed messages here from some both. of these shot callers. Right, both. Depends who the shot caller is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Raping Steve's in charge this week, though, so... <laughs> Here's the... In, in regular life in America, 
it's pretty uncommon for a policeman to be intimidated by a bad guy, right? You know, out here, they have complete authority, and if they don't, they just bring more and more and more cops until they get complete authority and overwhelm, and then bad guys don't get to push around cops. What about prison? Do prisoners push around guards? Do guards ever feel like they need to get in line, or they'll, I don't know, hurt their family? Okay, what pushes around people from every profession to do with the police what, and prisons what for, and the courts. What, what, what pushes them around is money. And I'm talking the money from the black market in drugs. By keeping drugs illegal, a black market, they estimate it's almost a trillion dollars a year. So some of that money is going to corrupt prosecutors, going to corrupt um, police, going to corrupt judges, going to corrupt guards. And that's what we see happen. Yeah. Oh, so they're not necessarily intimidated that this Aryan Brotherhood could maybe, I don't know, hurt their kid who goes to school or their wife at home. Oh, yeah. They are. Uh, the Aryan Brotherhood, yeah, they find out where guards live and drink, and they send women to seduce them to bring the drugs in. Oh, oh so they'll, yeah. like, they'll get them to cheat or just do something that'll hurt their home life. And then they'll they find the weakness and they'll exploit it. Yeah, yeah. I've got a non-bad guy question. You're a finance person. The <laughs> world is in a bit of a financial turmoil. You think markets going up from here, or is this some little little bear trap? You know, a little hiccup before it crashes much further. We is this yeah. economy going to recover like it's shot out of a cannon with pent up demand or unemployment way it down? Where do you see us going? We saw a 50% drop, and in a bear market, the average length of a bear market is nine months. We saw the initial 50% drop, and even in a bear market, the market spends most of its time going up because the drops are so sharp and sudden. So now we've got this bounce that's just prolonged, but it looks like it's running out of steam. So I think that the, the bounce is... Um, we, you know, Dow Jones was 18,000. We're back up now around 24,000. On the second wave, we could easily see 18,000 getting taken out because it's, the economy is not just going to return to the normal. I was asked you know, years ago about the Bitcoin bubble and when it was at its high, and I said, look, this is going to work its way down from here on out, and there'll be huge rallies. But you know, when everybody and their pet dog are asking me for advice about investing in Bitcoin, it's a, it's a bad sign. There's a saying in the stock market, when your barber starts to give you stock tips, Run the other way. Mm -hmm. So whenever people start emailing me, and it's happening again now because Bitcoin's bounced. Should I invest in crypto? Should I invest in cryptos? Um, it's obviously, you know, it's, it's going to go down again soon. It's weird. I've always considered one of my indicators to be a little contrarian, right? When all the news is bad, when, yeah. when no one thinks it's going well, that might represent a bottom. Or it could be accurate. Who the hell knows? And when all the news is good, kind of like what you were saying, right? When your barber's excited about stocks, that might be an indicator that you've hit the top. Or and the trick is to yeah. find out where that is. But it's almost impossible because how high and how low can psychology take things? Yeah, that's not my trick. I just dollar cost <laughs> average for my whole life. <laughs> you there's, know, there's, I, there's I don't a book called shit. Understanding MACD, MACD. Okay. And if you look at the um, the bear market that happened during the credit crunch, the MACD indicator really did call those waves quite ac accurately, and it's starting to roll over now into a, a bearish crossover. So 
if people want to want to go down that road, that's a good uh, thing indicator to look at. So I'm not familiar with the MACD indicator, but I have watched stocks for 30 years now. And I feel like indicators can come and go out of fashion, right? Like here's one that's Absolutely, never been yeah. wrong until this one goes wrong. Motley Fool had yes. a fun one. The dogs of the Dow, right? That always had, they just picked whichever Dow stock did the worst the year before, but had high yields or something like that. And they, you know, tested it all the way back for some X amount of years. It was like, this dogs of the Dow strategy is great until it wasn't until they picked stocks like Kodak that didn't come back. And so all you can do is use as many indicators as possible that you are familiar with and rely on to maximize your probability of success. And nothing is infallible. You know, black swan events will occur. And people who say, yeah, I'm going to make all this money in the stock market, they probably have no idea what they're doing. It's a minefield and they're going to lose their entire investments or most of it, which is the case for novice investors. The professionals just feed off these people who are clueless. And get sucked in by the insiders who are constantly pumping the shows. <laughs> My company's going to do great. You know, why aren't you buying, you know, our sales are up, blah, blah, blah. And those same insiders are selling their shows, their stock to you while they're putting out all of these positive news stories. Yeah. And and then it's easy to misunderstand how hard it is to come back, right? If you put 10 grand in and then it falls to one, getting back to 10 is really hard. You know, it's it's not hard to lose 90%, but then you take that one grand and make 90%. Congratulations, you're at 1,900. Good fucking luck getting back all the way to 10. <laughs> it, yeah, anyway, that I always point this ah, dollar cost average into an index fund. You'll do better than most. And you'll probably do better than you. Not you, but like whoever I'm talking to listening to this uh, who thinks that they know that whatever nvidia is going to be the next big thing or amd has the fastest chip right now yeah we'll see stay away from it folks only <laughs> do what you understand <laughs> yeah right it's almost my bedtime here guys okay oh i'm glad i got that question in before you go. <laughs> <laughs> um Cool. Well, hey, thanks so much. Did you guys have anything? Oh, social media we need to pimp? Yeah. yeah. Um, where can people find your books? Um, we'll put the titles of your books in the description of the video. Uh, anything you want to plug? Yeah, if you'll put a link into my YouTube channel. I just went through 400,000 subs. No one near you guys yet, but um, really appreciating all the people who've subbed and the, and the new subs. I'll send you a link to my books. Um, I've got 12 books now available worldwide on Amazon in all formats. And, um, you know, power to it, power to you guys for doing what you're doing. It's been a blast. Uh, my, yeah, we really my... enjoyed you. That was, that was a, that was a lot of fun. That was wild stories, wild life. You did great. You were going to see PKA and RSK on your social media for the next 10 years. That, that was two hours. My life story is a trilogy. It's 30 hours of stories like this. So we've only just scratched the surface. So much more rape to touch. <laughs> I did. We've, I, I've got so many more rape stories. We covered broomsticks, but you guys oh, have not is. heard. I've <laughs> <laughs> not heard this. You're muted, Taylor. And all, all of the sex stories, all the sex stuff that goes on in prison. Oh, my God. Well, we got to well, have you back on. That was yeah, thank you so really, much really, really good chat. It was, it was a real blast. I'd, I'd love that. Yeah, cheers. <clears throat> Uh, thank you so yeah. much. I guess. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Lots of people are going to be coming to check your shit out. You're a fantastic storyteller. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, are you new to Discord? You just uh, hit the red hang up button. Let's have a Yeah, this is my second ever Discord. Let's see. <laughs> red hang up button. So put your mouse over like the video feed. Got it. 
And then, All right. See you then, guys. Good night. Thank right. you so much. See you later. Thank you so much for coming. I'll do an ad. Yes. Enjoyed that, fella. Definitely. That was fantastic. The eye plucking. Favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that there were story. two eye pluckings required. <laughs> this episode of PKA is brought to you by a company that we have a lot of personal experience with, Postmates. You know what's great about eating your favorite things? They're your favorite things and you're eating them. You know what's not so great? Getting them. And the only things that uh, deliver are not what you're craving. Introducing Postmates, the app that adds a delivery option to your favorite restaurants. Imagine anything you want to eat delivered. You don't have to drive, park, or even talk on the phone to order. Just download the app and order 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates will bring you what you want within the hour. You can even see where your food is and track your driver. Forgot to get eggs or milk? No problem. Craving a tasty burger? Check. Looking for the perfect bottle of red wine or a summer beer? Order up. Postmates is your new long-term munchies booty call. For a limited time, Postmates is giving you 100 bucks of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start those free deliveries, just download the app today and use code PKA. Check, Check them out. out. Postmates, they're what you need to get through the <clears throat> pandemic. Exactly. Absolutely. The perfect company for quarantine. Treat uh, yourself. So oh, maybe I had a topic. Um, okay. Did you see that Joe Rogan that signed a mine. 100 million? Ah, no, it's not. <laughs> okay. Come on. It's Kyle's. It's Kyle's. <laughs> <laughs> I totally Joe wasn't Rogan. about to, to, to talk about the same thing. No, you weren't. Man, I forgot <laughs> yeah, to write okay. that one down, of all things. <laughs> That's such huge news. Definitely so anyway, go, lay it out for us, guys. Rogan signed a $100 million deal with, uh, with Spotify. And uh, starting, I think, in September, um, all of his content is going to be available on, uh, over on Spotify. It's just starting to sound like an ad read, but I'm just excited for Joe Rogan. Exclusively um, on Spotify. Yeah, it's gonna, it, eventually it'll be exclusively on, on Spotify. Like If you want to watch his show the way you've been watching it, you got to head on over to Spotify. But it's free. You don't have to like make some sort of special account or, any, or like a paid account or anything like mm-hmm. that. You can just... His content is going to be Spotify content, and it'll be still produced and created in the same way, in the same format, because he's not going to be an employee of Spotify. He's, he's, it's the same show. It's just over there now. Does Spotify million have videos? Dude, this is... Yeah. The Spotify uh, does videos? I had no idea. Well, they, they're going to have to, because that's what he's doing. I, I don't know anything about Spotify, oh. but I know that he's going there, and that the video episode uh, version of his show will be on Spotify. So, hence, Spotify does video. Good for him. Oh, I did hundred million dollars. That's awesome. So, according to my Twitch chat, the most reliable source on the internet, they'll <laughs> still be hi- mine. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> they'll still be highlights on YouTube. I don't know if that's true or not. If it is, I think it's smart, right? Like, in, in, heck, when I did my channel, I, I had a Facebook page that I would post to, and I, I I was on Twitter a lot, engaging with people, and all those things were just designed to be a, a little web that would attract you to my YouTube channel, right? You know, a thing to keep people engaged. Maybe some guy sees me on Twitter or Facebook that wouldn't have otherwise caught my new video. They'd be smart to put it on YouTube, and that could be a funnel that leads people who are interested in a show into Spotify. Because for me, I mean, I, I don't know what their new platform will be like, but the Jerry show ends as soon as he leaves YouTube. For me, I, I don't see myself changing platforms to follow him over there. Uh, if he's not doing, I watch more Jerry highlights than I watched uh, the the full show from beginning to end. And if the highlights aren't on YouTube anymore, then he leaves my universe. I, I watch the whole show. I, spe- I I pick the guests that I like and I watch those. If it's someone I've never heard of or someone I dislike, which happens occasionally, I skip over those. But I probably watch 
30, 40% of his shows in their entirety in video format. So I'll head on over Spotify, you know, like, why not? Yeah. Just, I mean, I it's have not Spotify. Like, I don't have to, it's not like I got to walk across town or something. I just type at Spotify and it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, great for him though. It sounds like he's getting, getting like a fucking stern type deal. hundred million dollars. That's yeah. That's not only awesome. is that like stern, I mean, like he's money, way I bigger guess. than stern at this point in time. Yeah. But I feel like Spotify is getting a stern type stern type deal. I think that uh, serious. Is it serious? Um, mm-hmm. You know, their platform was amazingly supported by Stern. There are certain people who would pay $10 a month for Stern. Kyle, okay. Um, they're, they're like, if you took Stern off of Sirius, I think a lot of people would leave Sirius. And I don't know what the numbers are. They're from my head, but maybe a quarter or a third of their viewer base would not find it worth the money had it not been for Stern. And Spotify may get a similar situation with Rogan. He might be the big, he might make that platform the one that Apple can't compete with or the one that Pandora can't compete with. It's the one that has JRE. I'm super happy for him. That's awesome. That's an enormous amount of money. He was already making uh, millions and millions a year, but um, this is a gigantic amount of money that he just has made. Um, invest in isolation tanks and uh, and fucking. He can start his own UFC. I disagree. Head polish and, and kettlebells. <laughs> Here's what I think. H G H. I think JRE nailed the timing of it. I think now I like his show and I I, I think I like Joe Rogan. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. But I also think he's at the peak of his bell curve. I think that there's a lot of people who have seen it enough. You know, like oh, there's this, his Reddit's turned against him. You know, they're all, it's like you could, if I told you what the topic is, I'd tell you how Joe will respond to it and what he'll say. Uh, they're picking him apart. Like the tides are turning a little bit on the uh, unchecked fanaticism that he had two years ago. And he's selling, I think, at the top of his bell curve. I could be wrong. I often I, I predict these things too early. Yeah. You know, I, I predict I FPS Russia wouldn't last past pumpkin season. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I don't know what he'll do after pumpkin stops selling. Yes. <laughs> That's the whole point of his channel. <laughs> It'd be funny if Kyle bought into that too. He's like, they're like, we want to sign you to do the AA 12 video. For last time, this is about pumpkin. <laughs> this is pumpkin channel. I'm, I'm negotiating in Sorry, the Sorry, we're going to pay you $400,000 for this. Can, Kyle, please just do it for me. Just one video, not about pumpkins. <laughs> if there's no artistic... <laughs> then he's doing different accents. <laughs> there's no artistic integrity to pumpkin channel, I am done. <laughs> right, but, but I wonder... What about if... squash, Kyle? Squ- that is not specific type of pumpkin, I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone else listening to this sees the same like writing on the wall that I do, or perhaps I'm crazy. I'm, I'm alluding to something. I think he's I getting his. I think he's getting more and more A-list guests. I think he's only getting bigger as it goes. And I, I think his subreddit has a little fun with him, but I think that they are less than one percent of his total fan base. Um, if anything, people hate Brendan Schaub. <laughs> yes, and, well, Brendan Schwab's show is growing too. He should sell. Um, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure that if uh, Rogan can get him on Spotify somehow, he will. He'll get some sort of junior deal. <laughs> I need to be Rogan's. Know. I want to get on the Rogan gravy train, right? Like, this ah, is, you just gotta just like a, a, just agree with everything he says and I, be t- 240 pounds. I can do that. That's actually brilliant. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I just keep eating and uh, agree with everything I'm practicing now. I I do dislike Shab to uh, uh, really? quite a bit. He yeah. He, oh, well, well, he, he just never has anything much? original to say and. And when he's on there with Rogan, he's just 
everything he says is just like absolutely definitely oh yeah we're gonna be like there uh, coca-cola is the best soda and 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 shab will instantly be like the best all he said all he does is amplify everything rogan says in every single situation the you could you could find the times that they've disagreed on something and then rogan didn't change shab's mind by the end of the discussion on one hand like it never happens i see a lot of that I, and i was going to describe it in a similar way i don't think schwab's Schaub, i think is very insightful like he doesn't bring his own thoughts and opinions very often he just shocking he yeah. looks so intellectual well, Joe doesn't look his background of being punched in the head. <laughs> I, I could say that about Rogan, but Rogan somehow uh, he's like an, uh, a professional communicator meathead. And that brings these two parallel aspects to all the, the and he's, he's intellectually curious and he brings that to every conversation and it can make for some great conversations. Yeah. Joe's good. At I would job. say that Joe is successful because, well, he's got the reach of anyone at this point. Kyle's right. Like that's, I also think, Joe's more likely to trend up than down because at this okay. point, like, like he's having president, not like jokey presidential candidates, like Bernie, like real presidential candidates on there, and they're getting real reach out of it. Like, I wish he'd get he, Biden. Oh, Ew. that would be hilarious if he could get Biden. Biden and Trump, same time. It's a secret setup. <laughs> Neither one knows the other one's coming. That's that would be great. I'd listen to that one. I, I don't listen to that much Joe Rogan, uh, but his. Uh, his skill isn't that he's insightful. It's that he's inquisitive. Like he's got a million different questions for every person that comes on there. And he seems genuinely interested from what I've heard. Like, and a lot of times are the questions that I have. And, and I feel like, like a professional interview or some guy on fucking Dateline or, or, or ABC, they wouldn't ask the questions that I, that I want to know. Mm -hmm. That's a bunch of nonsense. Rogan asked questions and I'm like, yeah, yeah. What about that? You know, when he asked Elon Musk, so how long before we're flying? How long before I can mentally control a rat and send it to do my bidding? <laughs> yeah. See, stuff like, or like the dinosaur thing he did a while back. There's that clip where, like, he had some paleontologist on. I've watched it was like a half hour clip from probably five years ago. And Joe brings up, like, so, uh, like, the way a normal interviewer would do it would be like, so all these people saying dinosaurs don't exist. That's simply silliness, correct? And then that guy would be like, absolutely. We have so much evidence, a preponderance of it. There's no reason to even address it. Joe's <laughs> like, no, no, no. I want to spend like half an hour. Pull up that guy who says that like raptors are made up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to watch this whole thing and you're going to make fun of it. Perfect. Let's do it. <laughs> I want like, yes, to get what I wanted to watch. Like, I want you to watch 30 minutes of a man mocking your life's journey and then have you respond live on camera. Let's go. And yeah, by the see, time they've great. like watched the clip, the paleontologist is like, all right, <laughs> well, I fucking live it. All right. Yeah. First of all, that guy is a communist, just so you know. Like, just like personal attacks on this guy and like breaking down funny. why this other guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, I love those episodes. That that guy uh, has been on with Graham Hancock, the 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 guy who has the theory about the um, the ancient civilizations being killed by the uh, the comet mm -hmm. and uh, and all that shit. So that they fit in well together because one can speak on um, soil samples and fossilization records and stuff like that. And the other can speak on archaeological evidence and they can kind of go back and forth and and paint a really cool picture. Yeah, I, I love the show. I like when he's got space nerds on there and he's got fucking industry Steve leaders Jobs. and politicians, comedians, MMA fighters. It's like, these are a few of my favorite things. Like, I like all that shit. You know why I want Biden on his show? I want to see him in long form, right? Mm -hmm. like, like, Joe's gone crazy about how Biden is this uh, headed into the woods at night with a flashlight with 
dying batteries, right? Yeah, that, that's the true. Joe Biden analogy. <laughs> and you say it's true. It, I want to see it in long form. Joe Biden did a two-hour debate with Bernie Sanders and looked perfectly fine the entire time. There were no gaffes. There were no problems, right? If you, only if you watch his highlights on Twitter and take your views from there do you think that this guy is a gaff machine. Uh, you could do the same thing to Trump, but people don't. I want to see him on the jury in long form and see if he fucks up or not. And that would give me a better lens through which to make to form an opinion on him than what I've seen already, which is the more structured, controlled environments. Yeah. Mr. Vice President, would you please put this small puzzle together? Right. There are eight pieces. <laughs> I, I hung out with black kids in the 70s, too. That's really, we, that's great. We you know about the black children. yet, Joe. <laughs> I mean, you haven't even, you want, you want to get high, Joe? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, one second. Joe goes in the bathroom and calls the police. Do that. <laughs> have Joe, Joe talk Rogan. about uh, Joe Rogan. Have Joe and Joe. Wow, just realized. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, uh, have them debate marijuana. I saw Joe debate Steven Crowder on marijuana. One of the few times I've seen him kind of heated. And Rogan did a great job. And Crowder talks about stuff like this for a living and rogan uh held his own if not one so, it's so funny yeah. that that would be the thing that rogan gets like it's like yeah. you don't you don't love pot <laughs> what do you mean you don't love pot in particular Things like he that, didn't love I've... pot legalization and uh, joe was all for it uh yeah he, he did an equally good job back in the day um going back and forth with one of those espn guys about um how about mixed martial arts and how it was human cockfighting versus and, boxing know, right it was against versus, a boxing fanatic yeah yeah that was early yeah. that was like before the jre i think but it was yeah, like, yeah yeah he's got all his hair yeah that's, that's a while ago <laughs> uh, yeah i uh i'm really happy for him I'm, I'm glad he's making all that money that's uh that, that's great he'll be able to buy so much fucking elk meat Oh my God! He doesn't buy elk meat. He I wonder what his the, own. So, uh, according to those totally unreliable net worth estimators online, Rogan was already worth like forty or million, forty thirty or forty million. I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Let's say this hundred million dollar deal is true, and that adds I don't know, four fifty million to his net worth, right? Like I'm trying to take out taxes. Okay. Whatever yeah. portion. Worst of case scenario, are. he's getting fifty. My Twitch chat says Jamie gets ten percent, so that's undeniable. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not true. Yeah, yeah the, the guy who sets the cameras up and and Google's ridiculous things, he gets ten million dollars. Are you suggesting I misread it? Because I read it clearly. It was right this, there in the Twitch. This track. would be like if we show sold the show and all of a sudden Mitty Smitty had to had to get eight percent out of it or something <laughs> like that. It's like, well, he does mod my chat occasionally. All right, you can count that. Count that. He plays a lot of games with Kyle. All right, going back to PUBG. Most right? reliable source on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mitty, but you probably don't get a, a percentage of the gross. <laughs> um, but anyway, of that, if if he sells it for a hundred million, let's assume that maybe half ish actually lands in his bank account. Maybe there's other partners. I don't know. Maybe more. Maybe a two. For you. What does that do to his life? If he goes Nothing. from being worth thirty million to ninety. Nothing. Yeah. He's, he's already got like insane. he's already got like a, a super nice house and he's already got his family established and he's got all the toys he could want. And he already does all of his favorite hobbies whenever he wants. He already has a schedule he makes himself. Nothing's gonna change. Does it impact his motivation on the show? Because because now I feel like he's Previous to the Spotify deal, I feel like he's motivated by growth, maybe by money. Fate. I don't know. Something's motivating him to do like a. Well, there's a contract in place now. Right. There's going to be. A, there's well, probably a minimum amount of shows per month or per year or per mm -hmm. quarter. Yes, but he already knows the money amount, right? So, mm -hmm. like, 
let's say I'm a big time Twitch streamer. I go to Mixer and they say, Woody, you get paid this much and you have to stream 20 hours a week. I'm like, fuck. Doesn't say shit in here about how popular I am. So I start streaming, I don't know, the lowest effort shit I can find. My well, favorite stream game what you instead love. of a popular game. You know? like, like, it will change whatever motivates you because you already but, know the... But point. he already does that. He already he like puts on the shows that he loves. True. Brendan Schaub was the guest three shows ago. All right, like 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 he's he, he's he puts his friends on. He puts people that he likes on. Tony Hawk was the guest today. I don't I don't think Tony Hawk's knocking any barn doors down with his popularity anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was. Great. I, point. I mean, his, yeah, I you see know where you're mean? headed on this. Joe already does what Joe wants to do. That's why he's not on this show. If Joe was desperate for person popularity. We'd introduce him to 100,000 people or something, right? But Joe sure. does what Joe wants to do. There's no, like, if we were like, Joe, we'll give you 10 grand to get you. He'd be like, yeah, suck my dick. <laughs> you know, if we offered What are we talking about? Like three seconds of work? Because I'll like <laughs> pop in and go, ha-ha! And then I don't think he would. <laughs> I don't think if we offered him three million, he'd be willing to do something he doesn't want to do. Right? Like uh, Kevin Smith uh, tried to get him in a movie for a little cameo for money, like a million or something. I don't know the money amount. but it, And uh, Joe was like, yeah, I don't, it, that's not something I want to do. And Kevin Smith is like, that's so on brand for you. Just to flip Kevin to the middle finger and say, I only do what I feel like doing. That yeah. Well, that's a great place to be. Yes. Like, why? Less people are going to see whatever movie he decides to cameo in than will listen to a podcast he puts out or podcast he puts out over the course of a month. Like not even close. He's yep. he is he's bigger than Stern. He's bigger than everyone at this point. Nobody holds a candle. Other the only person I can think of with like big active listeners, maybe Rush Limbaugh. Sean Rush Limbaugh is enormously yeah. popular. Uh, yeah, probably like Rush and Joe. The people with the nationally two. syndicated um, radio shows that go on daily. Yeah. Um, and it d- depends how you like uh, aggregate. And how you parse out, you know, how many people are actually. It, 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 because like, like Sean Hannity does like his radio show and then his TV show at night. Do we add both those numbers together, even though there's there's overlap? Do we even add them at all? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then with, with Stern, there really is no very accurate way to determine his numbers. Last time I checked, Sirius had around 35 or 40 million subscribers, paying subscribers, mind you. Most of them are there for him. I, I I know I the only reason I was paying for years was for him. It was only when his content shifted and became so lame. I was I was paying really for the best ofs because they they had the two channels. They had um, the Sirius one hundred and one hundred and one, and I believe on one hundred and one, it's all re- reruns going back to like the eighties or something like that. And I was listening to all of that. I was. It took me like three years to like listen to his whole fucking catalog of shit, thousands of thousands of hours, every road trip, just mm-hmm. playing out, you know, old Stern, best of Stern. And then when you finally get through that catalog and get to like, all right, let's see what he's doing today. It's like, ah, oh, he's doing a really terrible interview with Charlize Theron. I, I don't, I don't Boo, care. Who cares about Charlize Theron? I mean, I would maybe if he interviewed her like the way he would have interviewed her in 1993. Right, got her to talk about her wedding night or masturbation or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I know she's got some big labia down there. I, I always, <laughs> the talk around town is your labia. Let's, if, if he was just a piece of shit to these yeah. celebrities, that, that's what I enjoy. I, I think I always enjoyed, you know, the sex questions and stuff, but also that really treated them with a lot of disrespect and disdain. And you could tell that sometimes they were not accustomed yeah. to that. 
There's, ONA had that same vibe of treating celebrities kind of shitty. And it was nice. I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I took a different vibe from it. I feel like he got celebrities to open up in a way they never would on any other platform. You know, like, I suspect we got the version of Britney Spears that her friends got because Howard just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say weaseled or slicked his way into making someone feel comfortable, but that's maybe you no, get he, the intent without the evil. Yeah, he massages them. And, yeah. uh, and, and when he, 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 he uh, lulls them into complacency and then he sort of hits them with those harder questions toward the end of the interview. Uh, that's sort of his style. But um, it's, it's gotten less and less entertaining over the years to the point where I don't care about it anymore. And I realized I hadn't turned it on in weeks and weeks. And so I just stopped paying the bill. So I like the Joe Rogan show, but I'm curious about Joe Rogan's story and how the Spotify changes it, if at all. Right, we've we've established he only does what he wants to do, so he could just keep doing that. Or I don't know. Now is he maybe there's better content now? Maybe maybe part of this is like like maybe he maybe I'd love to see him do video of one of these hunting trips that he goes on. I'd love to see like a TV show that's that's just his hunting season. That it's him like packing up his gear at his house and his buddies are coming over to meet with him. And maybe you throw in Brian Callen or Brennan Schaub, and they're sort of a fish out of water. And then they, you know, they fly out to Alberta or wherever the fuck and get their gear and meet with the guide and, and, and go through a whole hunting season, including like whatever they're doing when they get back to the lodge and the, the butchering of the meat and the cooking and the hunting and the eating and the bullshitting. Might be I'd like to see all that. But you know where, where that falls off brand? I don't think he wants to do that. I don't think he wants to share that. Like, I, I feel like Joe's like, that's my me time. And he's done something like that before called shooting the shit or something like that, where it was like him and Brian Callen out hunting. He but I want something some really show. in depth. Yeah. yeah like to a meat eater or something. Or yeah. Something like that. Maybe but I want something that's more about him and really like following right on his shoulder, like a parrot. Um, I, I'd like to get more into his life. I'd like to know about his home life. And like, I'd like to see his garage full of cars the way they do with Jay Leno. And yeah. that is he a big sort of car thing. guy? I didn't he is. Yeah, yeah. He's super into cars. He bought uh, a quarter million dollar Tesla because, and he's like, you know, Elon did me a favor coming on the show, so I bought a Tesla and, you know, kind of hit it back. It's like, what? if Elon comes on the show, I still can't buy that Tesla. <laughs> oh, come on. You get three at least. I, well, but I want to continue not to work. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, Joe can do both. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this is, a, oh, go ahead, Kyle. Uh, I was going to say I'm going to get that Tesla truck next year. I think it's either between it's between that Tesla truck or a new Camaro. I haven't decided. It also depends where you live, maybe. I I I just in my head, I'm like, if you go to a place that snows, the Camaro might be the wrong choice. I know that's 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 what's in my head as well. It's like shit. You might Depending need two on, cars, Kyle. You I might mean, have a two car problem. I you know we could make that happen too. But in any case, very happy for Joe Rogan. Very cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've got nothing but love for him. And curiosity for his story, right? Like, I, probably a lot of people do this, but you know, I'm just like I, I'm interested. Chael Sonnen's another great one, right? I've enjoyed watching Chael Sonnen's life arc since I started following him. I don't know, ten years ago, whatever it was. Uh, I, I find it interesting. He has this opportunity magnet of a YouTube channel now where he talks about MMA things. And I wonder where that takes him. Does it make him an ESPN broadcaster going forward? Does it give him a job like Daniel Cormier's? Does he become the next Dana White? Like where's Chael Sonnen's career arc is super fascinating to me. 
and I, I like to hear him do his thing. Do you want to talk about? He needs a TRT clinic. Ooh, he'd be a good spokesman for that. Oh, I I do want to talk about um his thing, but but look, I'll send you a, a link. What do you, this this is something that maybe you and I will really appreciate, and and maybe I shouldn't even do it right now. But look, uh, Vitor Belfort, aka uh, posted this. Did you see this? Uh, no, I didn't see it, but I'm, Look, I'm he says, right. happy birthday. Let's go one more time for another adventure. This time will be the first dance, uh, along with the last dance, the beginning of a new journey. Uh, stay tuned for more news. The phenom is, is going to reinvent himself one more time. Team run together. And he's got the- <laughs> <laughs> TRT is like, like separated out with, with hyphens. <laughs> you, uh, you can't, the, I'm showing everyone this picture. It doesn't demonstrate that he, how much he's regained his form. So if you don't know, this guy was on steroids at like 19. I think he was a UFC champion. If not, he was very you know, close to it. Maybe he lost a champion bout. And um, then, you know, he's had all the natural career arc. Then TRT Vitor came. And that guy just ran through the middleweight division. He was fierce. The only guy that could beat him was the TRT Anderson Silva, actually. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and he just battled everyone. Then he got caught for steroids. Uh, again, he's a repeat offender uh, for getting busted. No, or did they catch him? Or maybe they banned it? No, they changed the they testing. They banned it. Yeah, they cha- so, so the it was always is- banned, but he had a therapeutic use exception, I think. And he just well, took way more than he needed. Well, there's a difference between steroids and TRT, right? So, so he was mm. the reason he needed TRT is because he had abused steroids early in his life, and now his body's not producing even an adequate amount of testosterone. So when they start testing, he really goes downhill as an athlete, not even where he would be before he started using performance-enhancing drugs. So they allowed for testosterone replacement therapy, which is legitimate ther- therapy. He needed it. Although they were definitely giving him more <laughs> yeah, than he, he ju- needed. <laughs> they juiced him to the fucking gills. Uh-huh. They were pumping so much tea into this man. His levels had to be over 1,000, 1,500 or something. And he came back in and smashed once again for years. And then they made it illegal again. And then you saw his physique completely decline. And now he seems to be indicating that he's back with yeah. the DRT. This picture that was on the screen for a while, it, he's wearing a shirt so you can't tell, but I've seen other recent Vitor pictures and I mean he he looks great. He this guy responds well to steroids. Uh, so that I think most people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't heard anyone who doesn't. Oh, I I guess people die. Um that's Well, they abuse them. Yes, yes, yes. I I more plates, more dates did a video, call it last week or something. And this guy died at 50 something. And he was like one of the proponents of sustainable steroid use. You know, like he didn't go bonkers like bodybuilders can. He was just like, this is how I do my steroids. This is, I take my gear. I mean, he's not lying about it. And, um, but he didn't go over the top crazy about it. And it, it, my impression of the video is that it hit, uh, Derek, right? More plates, more dates kind of hard because he's like, fuck, this is, this guy was about doing it right. And he still lived into his fifties. Mm. Like he talked about his dose the other day. I, I watch his channel occasionally too. Mm-hmm. He's only taking 125 milligrams a week. Yeah. He is a, even though he, he must, I, I would describe him as a hyper responder, but I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But even though he looks like, jacked super strong guy his dosage is under control you know he, he's not doing anything crazy if you just go by 
his dosage compared to other people's. And he often advocates like, you know, you're taking too much. You don't need that much to look good. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't take that much at all. Yeah. Uh, You got a child molester here, uh, Taylor, get a little chill mo action. Yes. So there's a story out of, uh, what is this? The Tampa Bay TB, I assume that's Tampa Bay daily news. So title of the article, alternative school teacher confesses to murdering sex offender on community Facebook page after seeing him try to lure children. And so the guy on the left here, Taylor, the hero. When you look to the side, your mic's not in front of you. Can you adjust? Oh, it? sorry. Yeah. So the hero on the left, looking pretty fit, is the one who murdered that ghoulish Mario <laughs> pedophile creep on the right. And he was so, and you scroll down on that. And um, you'll see the, a post from Matteo Condolucci looking absolutely <laughs> like he's heading to the, the yearly pedophile awards. <laughs> <laughs> look at his, his mustache oh his no he, he just says hi my name is matt i am from buffalo too <laughs> clearly writing that to a child but basically this guy had been caught fucking around with kids and he put this and he started doing like a youth outreach ministry thing oh, look at him targeting the, children I'm look at him with the priest him. get up on yeah yeah, yeah. Well, because he was running stuff where he's like, oh, he wrote this. He's like, my name is Reverend Matthew Condolucci. I am the founder of Disciples for Christ Street Ministry. The purpose of this ministry is to help the needy in our community. I work with the homeless and the needy families to provide them with food, clothing, and the other essentials that are needed for their everyday living. Put a couple periods in there, run on. <laughs> I receive a lot of my donations from different stores in the community. There's a tireless effort and demands a lot of attention and hard work. And basically, you know, food, homelessness, all that. And it shows him cutting a young child's hair there. And he's clearly luring in children. Giving back to the community. Okay. Giving back to the community. <laughs> and this this guy, uh, what was his name? James Fairbanks, the guy who took care of business, the wrote on Facebook. After, yes. The, well, you, <laughs> we'll see. You, know, uh, you are right. He did murder him. <laughs> but uh, he wrote, Dear Media. I am writing this is on Facebook community page. <laughs> Dear media, I'm writing this email to let you know that I killed Matteo Condolucci Thursday, May 14th, around 9.45 p.m. <laughs> While out apartment searching and checking the neighborhood I wanted to live in, I stumbled across his sex offender registry info. I read where he had molested, raped, two children and been convicted twice, yet only served two years in prison for, all caps, RAPING CHILDREN! <laughs> <laughs> I, I seen his address was right around the block from where I was looking to move. I drive by into my horror. He was standing in his driveway pretending to wash his truck. No soap or water, just a rag, while staring at a group of children playing in the street. I watched him for a few minutes and just felt sick to my stomach. He just kept staring at them. The kids thankfully left and he went inside. I went to my drive I went to drive away and noticed to my amazement this twice convicted sex offender had a playground set in his backyard. No fence, just a slide in a playhouse. I felt sick to my stomach. <laughs> Having my own experience with these type of predators, I knew the damage he would do to those kids. It agonized me for days. I couldn't sleep. I researched him more and more and found that he'd victimized dozens of kids in different states. One kid's mother had created a predator Facebook page about him trying to warn people about him. Her son had been assaulted by him when he was five, and the damage he did led the poor guy to die of a drug overdose years later, and his mom directly blamed that incident on him. I've worked with kids for years who have been victimized, and I couldn't in good conscience allow him to continue to do it to anyone else while I had the means to stop him. I'm willing to turn myself in, even though I'm confident I wouldn't be caught because it's my opinion that we need to fix this in our society. We cannot let this continue to happen to our children. They must be stopped. I know in this messed up judicial system, that means I will face far more severe punishment for stopping him than he did for raping kids, but I could no longer do nothing. So 
This guy. <laughs> Read the next part. Thank you, whoever are whoever you are that killed that man. Pedos deserve nothing but death. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, you're right. He's, you're welcome. You're right. That was a good one. And then it shows him in his picture. He replied like, to comments. Yeah. yeah, he said. The guy said, "Thank you for killing that pedophile," and he said, "You're welcome." So he replied to comments. I mean, he, that means he, he posted that and then sat there. <laughs> looking at his murder conviction flying <laughs> oh you're, you're welcome I'm just saying this guy's in the contention for cool guy of the week he's quoting C.S. Lewis uh, that's... yeah he's quoting C.S. Lewis you can't go back and, <laughs> and change the words of C.S. Lewis fuck up pedophile <laughs> you can't go back <laughs> and change the beginning but you can start where you are and change the ending <laughs> like, like, that's what C.S. Lewis meant right between the lion the witch and the wardrobe and the fucking rest he was talking about <laughs> murdering pedophiles so Jesus yeah Christ. good good for that guy for is it a little wait, bit of street well i mean it's more did fun he die fun. oh yeah he killed no the 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 pedophile slayer didn't die he killed the pedophile what is uh okay someone dies anthony smith dies i'm confused oh i thought that was like a different ad maybe. i could be wrong or maybe oh that's the kid that was probably molested when he was little and died of a drug overdose okay okay that would be my guess I think so you're right. yeah that you know, <laughs> look at that murder. terrible online memorial with his stupid. Are there supposed to be angel wings? Yeah, it's a lovely oh, online memorial. God, I hope you don't. <laughs> don't we all hope that doesn't happen to us when we die? That nobody makes some shitty Photoshop like this. God oh. damn it, dude. Now, if one of us dies, this is going to be all over. <laughs> I know. I didn't want to say it and, and lock it in. But now we have. Because yeah. you know you're going first. I don't even think. I, yeah, right. <laughs> Do I even have to die? I'm going to make happen? it. <laughs> we just like, have, I've got. I'm not any good at Photoshop, but I guarantee I can knock that out. <laughs> we just have horrible washed out photos of us with angel wings. And it won't even be a circle. Kyle will just square me on the middle. <laughs> Oh <laughs> Those purple feathered angel wings. Uh, Good God. Dude, anybody who does that, I'm gonna I'm gonna haunt you. No. Don't, don't put me in those. I'd yeah. love a haunting. You know, they'll pay a million dollars for actual proof of paranormal activity. Who? Uh, that, that guy. They He's had that challenge do. for years. No, there's an actual guy who's oh, had that challenge for years. I that think, if you can prove oh, any kind of James Randy. Is yeah. his name? There's there's he, an old O and A video and A that I watched of him where it, and this guy James Randy he might be dead now I don't even know but mm -hmm. he was so old that it like he was being interviewed and it, like flashback to a clip of him from like 1971 and he's oh. old as shit in 1971 yep. and it was this like you know gong show fucking nonsense and this you know mystical uh, Adam comes out in his parachute pants and his like Aladdin hat and his <laughs> jingling things and the yep. and, uh, and like it, it wasn't like modern day it was like they would set these people up to get humiliated like yeah. now it feels like if you know uh, someone goes on Jimmy Fallon and they're like, "Oh, uh, Mr. Pratt, someone's here from your high school and they've got a funny story to tell," and Chris Pratt will be like, "Oh my goodness, is it Johnny? Johnny, get out here!" And it's clearly scripted, like clearly set up. This was before they do that, and it was this <laughs> this TV show, very popular. And this guy's whole business, his livelihood for himself, his family, his wife, his kids, is being a magic man. And his like big claim to fame was like he lays open a, a, phone, a book? phone book and he lays it on a table and he goes like looks at it with focus, squatting down, looking directly kind of right at it. And he goes 
and then a couple pages turn and everybody's yeah. oh wow oh my god oh my god and he and the guy the magic man stands up and is he has no idea anything's coming and the host of the show's like well you didn't lie that was really impressive let's give another hand for magic man another hand for magic man now something we didn't tell you prior to the show i'm sure you're familiar with james randy now james randy <laughs> makes his makes his bones going around the country challenging anyone to prove that magic exists now for you that would be no problem at all <laughs> no, it would be no, no problem at all. I, I'm happy to do it in front of him. We got a surprise, Mr. Randy. Come on out. He, he comes out, and all that James Randy does is like say, uh, the guy asks. So I think we just saw a pretty convincing uh, evidence of, of spiritual power here, Mr. Randy. What do you say to that? And the, this old man's like, actually, I would contend that it was nothing more than Mr. Magic Man blowing through his nose onto the page as he did the theatrics. And how do you plan to prove this, Mr. Randy? Well, with this bag of packing peanuts, I will lay it around, <laughs> around the, the phone book, and we will see movement in there if there is uh, some sort of blowing action. And this guy gets down, and it doesn't show it in the clip, but for almost two hours, <laughs> this guy squatted down. Two hours? It, he, for, like, he was hoping they would just cancel the show. He would go like... <laughs> <laughs> And nothing's happened. And they're all staring at him like, we're waiting. Yeah, they're, they're waiting for him. And in the video and A from years ago when Jim was reacting to this, he had a funny line where he was like, do you think at any moment the magic man is sitting there like, what if I actually can do this? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to will that page over. And in the end, the guy just goes to the, the energy, the the... The problems, the it's the a it's the circular air in here that's causing it to push down. See, it's just pushing the page right back down. The static electricity, and then he picks up a page and drops it, and it goes the correct way, and he like pulls it back <laughs> the, the wrong way. It, humiliated, his whole life ruined. He probably had to go, you know, be a forklift operator after that. Yep. But very very funny clip, very funny one. James I Randi video and a yeah yeah. So if you could haunt me. I'll call James up, and mm -hmm. I mean, it'd be worth you dying. Easily. Dude, if I die before James Randy, that's going to be so embarrassing. How old is this bitch? He's got it. I, I think he might be dead. He is 91. Holy shit. And he looks every day of it. <laughs> <laughs> he looked every day of it 40 years ago. Yeah. yeah there's no telling. It, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever do that on, like, Wikipedia pages where you'll go through and you'll look at the oldest people to have ever lived? And it's like, I think the oldest one's like Jean Calment, some French lady, 122 or so. But hers has come into question. I think this Japanese bitch at, like, 118, 119 is the, the current ruler, but who knows? And do you ever think, like, just going through their life, like, if someone were to come up to them at the age of 61 and be like, hey... <laughs> You're halfway, halfway there. Do <laughs> you think they'd be like, oh, there's no way I'm halfway there. Already, my joints hurt. Like, every, every year from years. Everyone I love is already dead. <laughs> yeah. Dude, your grandchildren are dying of old age when you're 118. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your grandchildren are dead. So they'd probably. be about 40 years younger, which would put them in 178. Yeah. Isn't not, there a 78. Not 178. Yes. Okay, Bilbo Bag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, no, but I get your point. Yeah, if, if, if you're 120, your kids are probably ha need to be like 95. Their kids need to be like 75 or 80. I, I mean, let's hope longevity runs in the family or you're going to a lot of funerals. 
For my next Twitch stream, I'm just going to do math in my head for four hours. Should be fucking hilarious. <laughs> <You're mad. laughs> so like five or six problems? Yeah. <laughs> I'll get two or three right. <laughs> I, I finished all of GTA V. Oh. One of the most fun games I've ever played. I can't believe I didn't play that before. Going to multiplayer? Uh, Taylor Merck on Twitch. Last time I shouted it out on here, a lot of people joined. I haven't done multiplayer yet. Uh, next, I'm not sure what game I'm going to play. I, I remembered I downloaded months and months and months ago that second South Park game. I might try that out. I also got uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, Bully, which is a rock star game that's apparently very funny where you're a bully in an elementary school. You'll like Red Dead. It's it's a Red Dead. AAA, just super, super good game. I want to play that multiplayer. Point, yeah. That's where like a lot of extreme shit comes from. Maybe it's too hard, mm-hmm. right? I want to be like, I want to see Taylor multiplayer take his car and land on the top of the Eiffel Tower. Maybe that's like 600 hours of trying to make that video and that's a dumb idea. I don't know. Oh, I, I upset so many people throughout those streams with my flying. Just really trying to land those planes and just really not doing a good job. At I a did lot a point. Mail <laughs> Monday episode with GTA and um, I upset people because it was just footage of me obeying every traffic law <laughs> through the whole video, stopping at every red light, only making rights on it. red. Uh, <laughs> I, I did like, I, I stole a Lamborghini and I upgraded it, and then I liked driving by bus stations and making fun of bus people. <laughs> Being like, you're a fucking loser, bitch, and then speed out and maybe kill one of them too. Let them know that I'm above the law. Ooh. You feel like a big man. I like just going on rampages in those games. Like, yeah, like just, well, I liked Trevor, you know, the guy who just smokes a bunch of meth and he, his special ability is meth rampage. That's fun. I don't know anything about that game. Um, oh. I, I'm pretty sure I played San Andreas. I don't even know if I played five. I probably did, but I don't remember. But uh, but when I did play a ton of it on PlayStation, I like to go on rampages. Just watch those stars get more and more and more and just see how long you can survive. It was like an early version of uh, like horde mode or zombies or something. I did like as the like the game starts out with you like. All right, we're going to boost this car and make like five grand. And like three hours later, it's like we're planting bombs at the foot of the Pentagon. And the government's <laughs> never going to find out because we're hitting the Bank of America corporate building across the way. Now, make sure you kill every cop in California. First. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's lots of lots of fun I had playing that game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever I decide to stream next. Kyle, probably yeah. most people haven't seen PKN. I story they must be curious they've been watching you for two hours now or two and a half yeah it's a it's a little like black i guess on this still yeah looking uh, a couple days ago already yeah it was um tuesday and today's thursday Mm -hmm. so um yeah i had to get this i had a mole like right on the edge of my eyelid it was really small i i told them it looked like there was a booger on my eyelid and it was just unsightly i didn't like how it looked and i've been wanting to get it off for a while but i procrastinate things like that there's a lot of steps you gotta you know you gotta get a, i had to go to i had to get one doctor which is kind of a problem and then he has to refer me to a specialist but anyway i went and uh it was a very painful ordeal uh they gave me a uh valium which i don't even know what the fucking point of that was to relax me i guess like i wasn't nervous wait did you like not, it i mean i loved it but it didn't kick in until right about the time i got back home like like i was high all afternoon oh no Oh, yeah. I've had a bunch of surgeries and they give you that. What do they give you? Fentanyl? Is that what they give you? Uh, no, I don't think so. But but this is a pill. You know, this is just a, a benzodiazepine. This is a, in the IV and I really yeah. am a fan. No, I um I want to do this as cheaply as possible. 
and they asked if I wanted an anesthesiologist on board. And I'm like, well, what's he going to do? Is he going to give me gas or, or, or like intravenous uh, medications? Like, no, no, no. He'll just watch us do what we were already going to do. And I was like, well, fuck that. Let's <laughs> save $2,000 here. Because like the whole thing like was a grand. I think it was like 400 for the dock and 600 for like what, the ancillaries. But anyway, it was more painful than I ever thought it was going to be because they just they put some numbing drops in my eyeball, but that was just so that they could put a Q-tip under my eyelid and roll my eyelid back and it wouldn't be so uncomfortable. Uh, and then they put two shots of lidocaine directly into my fucking eyelid. And that hurt me. too, right? Burned, right? That's what hurt. That hurt a lot. Your anesthesiologists suck, man. Mine comes I in I didn't there. have an anesthesiologist. He's like, hey, Woody, I'm Dr. Steve. I'll be your bartender for the day. And I'm like, Steve, <laughs> you seem cool. <laughs> you and I are going to get along. I didn't have an anesthesiologist. I just had the doctor, and he shot two shots oh, of lidocaine into my eye. I misunderstood eyelid. the story. There was a guy there who was going to do what No, they... no. They offered an anesthesiologist, and oh. I said, well, what's he going to do? Is I he going to do? Is he going to give That's me some I drugs? They're like, okay. no, no, no. He's going to watch us and monitor your blood pressure. And I'm like, fuck that. That's like two grand wasted money. Like, no, I don't want an anesthesiologist. So the doctor shot two shots of lidocaine just into my fucking eyelid. And it hurt so much. I, like, like, I didn't scream or anything, but my, my toes curled in my, in my shoes. And like my hands were crossed on my chest or whatever. And they were just kind of like gripping each other. And after each shot, I just went, hmm. That really hurt, you know. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I bet it did." <laughs> and uh, but but he he had the thing cut off there in sixty seconds, and then I had this huge eye patch on with like masking tape and gauze that I wore about for about half the day, and then I wore uh, sunglasses on the show the other day because my eye was just so fucked up. But uh, but yeah, I'm, it's it's already healing. I'm on antibiotics and some antibiotic ointment, so by next week I don't. It'll all be healed up and I'm, yeah. I'm glad I did it because it was annoying. I didn't like looking at it. I've had maybe a dozen surgeries and at this point I'm good at it. You know, and Woody, how you doing? <laughs> I'm scared. I have to do this, but I wish <laughs> I wasn't here. Uh, I, I, I'm a thrower upper. They call me the upchucker back in high school. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know. Everything kind of hurts a little. Maybe you can help me with something. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're like oh yeah we got a cocktail for you we can solve all that shit it's gorgeous. i would have loved some hard drugs i would have loved some fucking uh some morphine or some tylenol 3 or some codeine or anything to really fuck me up but anything but one a, valium yeah the volume was so worthless it was so worthless because i got there maybe five ten minutes late and i i think maybe if i'd had i don't know it really didn't kick in until like i was getting home Mm -hmm. like like i said i, I that, that picture i sent you where my like if you look at my my good eye it's all droopy and i sent it to my dad too and he's just like you look kind of fucked up yeah. <laughs> i was like i, I kind of am that volume was good that was a big one i forgot you were having that thing taken off your eye because all you texted us that morning was just a picture like from your vantage point laying in a hospital bed in the room and i was like oh no oh my god i hope kyle's okay and then he's like yeah, yeah getting this thing off my eyes like oh yeah fuck he's not dying yeah, I like to do that to people. Yeah, <laughs> just send a, a troubling photo with yeah. no commentary. Send the photo and then just give it half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad it worked out. I'm just thinking, last time, not last year, two surgeries ago, I did that whole thing. You know, they, they made me feel happy. I'm telling the nurse, it's like, man, you guys got an iPhone charger around here? I'd love it if I came out of surgery with a fully charged phone. <laughs> 
<laughs> they, they're happy to help. Like that. All just be grateful. Be th- you know they, 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 these people are in. Not everyone's nice at the hospital, and if mm-hmm. you are, they're happy to charge your phone. Someone's got an iPhone charger in in the hospital, and I, I was away from home, so it was a big deal. It was like, man, this thing's my lifeline to my wife. I've been talking to her; she's nervous. If I came out of this surgery and the phone was all charged up, that'd mean a lot to me. <clears throat> they got me. yeah, yeah. I'm really happy I finally got that done. It was like I said, it was really annoying me. Um, uh, I hated it. I hated that thing. Every time I looked in the mirror, I was like, "Ah, oh, there's a booger on your eyelid. You got to get yeah. that off." And it's right in your eye. You can't see anything but it. Um, I couldn't see it like out of my eye. I could just see it in oh. the mirror. For what I, we told you this before, I never saw it. I see you five hours a week. Yeah, you got to be really close to to see it. Like yeah. it's it's. I mean, it was it was it was literally. I don't even know what else to describe it as as like the size of a booger. Like I don't have a, an object on my desk that's as small as this thing was, but it was ugly and it needed to go. And. It was like a low-grade cancer scare, maybe, or just was cosmetic? No. Okay. No, because there were eyelashes growing through it, which Already the doctor said, said was a good sign as mm-hmm. far as that goes. I had that one removed from my side a few weeks ago that I that I showed you that was like four stitches, and uh, that one was a, scan- a a cancer scare for sure. When um, I but first came... sent back that it was nothing, right? Negative, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. When I first met Jackie, she had a big mole, like, right covering with Mike, like right here-ish, like under her neck on like the top of her, mm. just under her throat. And it was a little unsightly. I felt like it dropped her a point and it was like, all right, you know, we can, <laughs> we can be a thing, but get that fixed. Right. <laughs> you know, and her, you ever feel tempted when you're like making out or whatever? Just to, <laughs> ah, just bite that thing off. Uh, I think I, I gotta say, Woody, that's one of the most alpha things you've ever seen. <laughs> We're working out. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna yeah. we're gonna give that the the old uh, the, yeah. the snip the snip <laughs> right. We're gonna take care of that. Her parents, I think, were a little bit like, "What? He doesn't love you the way you are." And she, no, he was She's concerned like, about cancer. He pulled out his leather man. <laughs> it was like, I'm yeah, it was melanoma. Is sawing it off. With it was fifteen percent cancer risk. That much is true. <laughs> the other eighty-five percent was cosmetic. Yeah, yeah, that's got to go. Yeah, I don't like those unsightly moles. Um, I, I when I whenever I see like, it seems like black people get them a lot on their face. Like 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 they'll have like a bunch of them. Morgan Freeman, and I'm just Morgan like, Freeman-ish. no, those are freckles. But I've oh. seen black people with like lots of little ones all over their face and stuff. And I'm just like, ah, come on, chief. Oh, like skin tag looking things. Almost? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I anything like that, I get cut off. You know? What causes those skin tags? Homosexuality. Old people. Oh, really? Yeah. My preacher told me that. He was riddled with them, so it was weird. (laughs) One time when I was younger, and now this is what God's done to me. One cock, and look at me now. Yeah. So, yeah, those things are very unsightly. And they seem like they're so easy just to get taken care of. Yeah. I I mean, both of these little things I've had removed in the last month or so, I've been shocked at how good the doctors were at their jobs. Um, my, the, the, this last guy was a, um, a, a plastic surgeon that deals with the eyes specifically. And, um, the, the one before that, um, it's like 60 years old, but he's like a, what was it? He was, I, I don't remember the exact like phrase phraseology of it, but he's like, he was like a dermatological cancer doctor. It, it was something, oh, plastic, like plastic surgeon was in his background, but it was specifically with some sorts I don't know, but he was more than equipped to cut a fucking mole off of my uh, my side, and uh, I'm so glad to get that one going because every now and then, like, go to scratch my side, and I would nip it with like my fingernail, I'd be like, ah, that thing's there. 
fuck but that's gone too now so i'm kind of cool professionals are i when I worked at the accounting firm the oral surgeon removes someone's wisdom teeth and uh mm. they were like this is like a 1040 to him it is now you have to know how good these guys are at 1040s 1040s individual tax return for americans you know but audience might not and uh everyone i worked with could name and there's like i don't know 87 lines on the first two pages they could tell you what they all were every single one of them and all the subsets they know so much about taxes um it's like, yeah, that level of expertise exists when someone does it 40 hours a week mm-hmm. for year after yeah. year. Their whole life, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm glad I got that thing taken care of, though. Uh, let me do an ad read. Okay. Yes. Get the last one done. As soon as I open my uh, Chrome up, it's this guy's horrible, horrible memorial picture again. <laughs> God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <clears throat> Support for today's episode of Painkill Already comes from the University of Colorado Boulder, a tier one research university at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. Join a culture of, innovati- of innovation in Boulder, which livability ranks as a top city for entrepreneurs. At CU Boulder, you can earn a graduate degree or certificate in more than 190 program overview. Uh, you can study almost anything from aerospace engineering, business, education, art, language, and computer science. Learn from winners of the Nobel Prize and National Medal of Science, as well as the MacArthur Genius Grant. Boulder routinely tops national best of lists. Bloomberg has ranked it the smartest city in America, and National Geographic called it the happiest place to live. Advance your education and your career at the University of Colorado Boulder. Learn more and find the graduate program that is right for you over at colorado.edu slash grad programs. That's colorado.edu slash grad programs. If I were looking for a grad program, I promise you, it'd be one right at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to be getting a few degrees uh, in, a, in a year or two myself. Put I'm, some I'm, work in, upgrade the rest of your life. Yeah. Aerospace, probably. Something like that. What a great place to live. So much stuff to do there. It's such a great place to live. It is. It Every is. time I go, I'm I, I'm sad when you I leave. You don't even want to ski. You're missing out on half the on half the fun. I don't know what what you're into the skiing thing. Like 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 like. It's you act like I'm the only one that appreciates Colorado skiing. You're the weird one here. I it's not. We've well, been man. through this fifty fucking times. I yeah, can't fifty fucking times. This is like me. This is. <laughs> this would be like this would be like you talking to a black guy. Like before, before the color barrier was broken. Like what? You don't like baseball? What's your problem? <laughs> Come on, let me throw you a few pitches. Oh, you're really good. Why don't you play? Oh, and then a week later, being like, "Hey, why don't you play baseball?" And then a week later, "Hey, you should play baseball." I can't. I can't. All right. It was my dream. You wouldn't. It was my dream. To <laughs> Is that what you want to hear? Is that what you want to hear? It was my dream. Are you sure your ankles are weak or? in the 90s watching it's something to do with the bone the, like just wearing the boots hurts it doesn't even matter if i stand just them clamping on my ankle yeah, very so painful snowboarding is your, your would be your speed i now. could probably snowboard yeah. but i have no skateboarding experience seems like sledding is my sport sledding is a lot of fun i would be happy breaks. to see you while you sled <laughs> That would be hilarious. Be <laughs> it's like, you know, this has no steering and no brakes, right? <laughs> what do you know? We just every time you just at the bottom of the run and we get down in eight seconds and then we look up and Kyle's like beelining like a laser for a tree. 
<laughs> on just a disc going off the side. Usually they're little half pipey shaped, you know, to keep you in. I want one of those Olympic bobsleds that I'm inside of, like with one of those helmets that's shaped like a fucking penis in the back. Like, like it just oh, super sort. aerodynamic. You see those people die at that one Olympics in the skeleton? Because yeah. they got going so fast and they like launched out of it. It's called the skeleton. They're barely <laughs> on anything. Yeah. That's a very the risk reward of that sport is zero. What is it? The, there's a luge, a skeleton, and a bobsled, right? Are those three different things? Yes. Luge is head back, feet going first. Skeleton is head first, feet are back. But you're barely on anything. And the bobsled, it's when you've got a bunch of guys, at least two, jumping, running, pushing that thing, and then jumping in. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, funny that that yeah. bobsled, like... For a lot of the people, all they do is run and jump in, and then they're a passenger going forward. So, like, I, I think the American team at one year got Herschel Walker to join, this elite athlete football player. And they're like, you know, all you have to do is fucking push for a little bit and then hop in the back and don't be an asshole. And, and <laughs> like, it really helped them. I, am I right about that? Let me see if it's I, literally. That's hilarious if it's true because Her Herschel Walker is probably one of the biggest genetic freaks in hu human fucking history. That man was fighting in strike force at like 52 and killing people. <laughs> um, you ever, let me show you what Herschel Walker looked look like in his early 50s. Wow, yeah. he, played a he was in the 1992 Winter Olympics on the U.S. bobsled team. Look That's at this hilarious. man. Did, they, did he place? Did they, did they medal? <laughs> I, well, he killed the Swedish team, and after that, everyone else just this just is him out. at fifty, forty-eight. Good God! So next year, I'll probably look like that because that's wow. what forty-eight-year-olds look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, re <laughs> you really bloom in your late forties. <laughs> if I keep dying in Tarkov, this is coming. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he is shredded. Look at him. Yeah, that that's a totally clean forty. It is no, no. He's he was always like that. He's Delius from looks pretty good. He's from uh, Georgia. I'm like ninety nine percent sure. Oh. Well. Where did he go to high school? I think it's near me. Well, good for that guy. Jesus, that's pretty sick. Johnson County in Wrightsville, Georgia. He went to high school. Is that close to you? Yeah, um, close ish. I'm trying to see exactly how far. I hired these fucking retards that ended up, or no, I went, I made a mistake. I went on home advisor and was like, all right, I just want to get a couple people that'll come and mow my lawn this weekend. This was a couple weeks ago. And they came out, they mowed my lawn like two Sundays ago and left an enormous amount of just clippings all over my front and backyard, just grass clippings. And by the time I like noticed that they were gone. And so I like texted the guy when he was setting up the next time and I'm like, Hey, yeah, uh, I, I paid for you to pick up the clippings also, and there's a bunch of dead grass in my backyard, and it's very unsightly, and there's a bunch in my front yard too. So next time, bring the equipment to take care of that. that you use the word unsightly with a landscaper? I didn't. I didn't say that. I, <laughs> okay, I was checking. <laughs> it's just unsightly. No, I, I said, <laughs> the clippings you picked up. Well, okay, faggot, I'll get, it, I'll get right to it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it like that. And then he came out again today. And these guys are, they're both morbidly obese. Hmm. A full mouth of teeth between them. 
Ooh. And one of the guys had a Hard Rock, the biggest Hard Rock Cafe shirt I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> tucked into the biggest camo pajama pants I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and he's walking around my yard mowing. I'm taking care of stuff in here. I'm not I'm really just trying to make sure the noise doesn't bother me with him on a call. And I go out again and piles, piles of grass in my front yard. Enormous piles. And I like walked over to one of the guys and I was like, he was standing by the truck out front while the other dude was on the side of the house finishing some stuff up. And I was like, hey, you guys are going to go back over this and collect all this grass, right? Like this is, I, I paid for this to be taken care of. And he goes, <laughs> that's him, brother. And I was like, this is as far as this conversation is going to go. Uh, <laughs> just saying, I'm just his helper. That's what he said. I'm his helper. That's him, brother. And so I wait for him to come around, a somehow even fatter man. <laughs> <laughs> and I can go over to him and I was like, hey, remember uh, last time I said I, I wanted the grass clipping picked up because I paid for that. And he was like, ah, well, you know, when do you want me to come back and do that? And I was like, now, preferably. <laughs> service now. And he was like, can't now, can't now. I don't have any of the bagging equipment. And where, where am I even, where would I put it? Now I, <laughs> and I was like, I was do you want me to find a place? <laughs> I was exasperated at this point. You know, I was just like, it was blowing my mind that I've paid for this service twice now. You prepaid. Ex ex prepaid because I went through <laughs> home advisor. Amateur homeowner. Yeah, home, home advisor apparently. I, I canceled that already. These people are not coming back. I'm going to do it myself tomorrow because it'll be faster for me. And like the amount of indignation this fat fuck had when it was like, I, and I did it very politely. Like I oh, paid bet. for this. Like I, we had this discussion. Do you remember two weeks ago when you came here and we, we talked about this? Like, I don't want someone to mow my grass. And then three days later, it looked like my entire grass is dead because there's a big pile of dead grass on it. And he was like, how about we come out, uh, how about we come out on uh, uh, Friday, next Friday, and uh, and we'll mow again and collect it all that time. And I was like, no, no, th this is this is it. This is it. If you can't collect it now, thank you for mowing, but that's that's all. I'm no longer interested. And like the worst businessman in America, he's like, all right, and just <laughs> left. And so now I've got a chore. That these fat fucking retards in their pajama pants couldn't take care of. Got spilled water on my keyboard right there. God, they're damn responsible it. for that. <laughs> they're responsible for. They're responsible for this. They're responsible for that. I should probably dry that up. Actually, <laughs> 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 uh, that that really that really got my goat today. I was like sitting in here anticipating seeing a perfectly manicured lawn, and they gave me an errand. It would have been fucking easier for me to just do it myself. So fuck these people. I'm I'm going straight to. Hopefully a neighborhood kid. Avoid yeah, prepaying I, I, whenever you can. And if they do 95% of the job and ask for payment, never, ever pay. This might sound obvious to you. I don't mean to. But no, no. it wasn't obvious to me my whole life. There have been a handful of times when people get 95% down and explain, Woody, look, we're almost finished everything. And it's like, right, 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 right. But there's like... 600 rocks. You guys were going to stack it on a pallet. Right. We'll come back and do that next week. Ha <laughs> ha. That's when you get paid. You don't get paid until everything is done, done. Because I know that you'll, you won't come back. You're done. Yeah. yeah. 
I, so that's what uh, I, I do have to grab a paper towel for I, quick. I, I, I grew up paying people like that, or, you know, or having my dad pay people like that, you know, people that you can't trust to do their job and, and, and people who, who are just trying to earn enough money to buy a bottle of liquor sometimes. So mm -hmm. like they're not, once they've gotten to $8, they're ready to cash their ships out. And it's like, we, we came here to work. You can't work an hour and what did you say? 18 minutes? What kind of junky math are you doing over there to figure out that that's $8 and 14 cents? Uh, I found I got to cut my grass by just, just I just saw one of those trucks with the trailer on the back and his number on a placard, and I looked at his gear, and it looked, it's like, oh yeah, he's got a mower with a mulcher, and he's got all the weed eaters, and you know he's white, of course, hmm. and uh, and and so I called that guy and, and had him come over, and it's, it's cheap as fuck, it's it's nothing. Yeah, I, I pay I, him for the PayPal, like, like he comes every week, uh, same day, and then he like bills me through PayPal, and I click one button, and we're all sorted. When we did this house, right, we had it renovated before we moved in, and uh, it was expensive. People remember the whole story with Jamal and everything, <clears> but the lead yeah. contractor was like, Woody, look, can you pay us now? We're almost done. All we have to do is like align a door, put on a few light switch covers, and clean the place, which was a big task, right? Imagine two and a half months of drywall work, right? Like cleaning is a serious task. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's like $40,000 for some light switches and cleaning. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, you sound motivated. That's how I like it. And uh, our relationship had really deteriorated at this point. And I'm like, you know, when you're done everything, when every item on the punch list is it, I got your money sitting in a bank account, right? There's no inability to pay here. There's an unwillingness to pay until you're yeah. all the way done. And that's Probably going to give him 20, though, right? Just so he could handle his bills. Zero. Zero. He got fucking zero. Like... Look, if you have a day and a half worth of work and you're owed whatever it was, 40 grand or something, that's it. There actually was another six grand I held out because uh, one of the Jamal actually, the subcontractor, not Jamal, hadn't been paid. Now, Jamal didn't do the work, so Ed docked him the pay. Ed didn't pay Jamal for the work that he did do, he just paid him for what he thought he should have got. And uh, I'm over here, he put a lien against my house. Meaning that, like, if I were to ever sell it or something, that money would go to Jamal. So I took the, it was six grand. I took the six grand, put it in an equity account, and we went to court. And, uh, you know, they agreed that, you know, Ed was going to pay, and then there was going to be a judgment against me to make this payment. And they're like, does everyone agree? And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I don't agree. I'm like, this guy doesn't pay his bills. This guy doesn't do his work. And somehow there's going to be a thing on my credit record saying the judge had to order me to pay. I'm the only guy here who does what he says he's going to do. I put the money in an equity account. And the judge was like, yeah, he sounds right, actually. He's the only guy here who fulfilled his obligation. So uh, uh, we agreed to settle it all out of court. So there was no ding on my credit record, which that's yeah. how it went. But anyway, yeah, uh, don't pay. Yeah, you don't, you don't pay before the work's done, done. done. You don't pay it all the way done. All the way. You, you know. Like like in, in Taylor's situation, like everything went on, but whatever, like 15 minutes of picking up grass clippings. Yeah. Well, if you want your money, you'll just work 15 more minutes, I guess. Otherwise, uh, they won't do it. I was, you're I told totally you're gone, Taylor. I just, you're muted, by the way. I, I just found one of those, you know, trucks and trailers at a gas station that's got the sign, like, you know, Miller's mowing or whatever the fuck. Mm. And I got one of those guys. So, a new story came out, sort of a thing. Lori Laughlin? probably pronounced that rightish and Mosimo Giliani. They were the people that 
did that like scandalous way to get their daughter into MIT or Stanford, maybe. I think it might have been Stanford. Uh, they pled guilty and they're getting a substantial... The woman is getting two months in prison and a $150,000 fine, two years of supervised release, 100 hours of community service. And her husband's getting five months in prison and two months release, supervised release. That... It's weird to me. I've said this before as a hot take, and I, I'm not backing off. I feel like the problem is they didn't pay enough to cheat their kid into Stanford. If you pay $2 million and buy Harvard a new wing with your name on it, your kid gets in. If you pay $1 million and whatever, donate to the library, your kid gets in and no one thinks twice about it. If you pay hundred and fifty grand, suddenly it's corrupt. Well, I don't remember the specifics because it's such an old case now, but it seemed like they were bribing officials rather than donating toward the infrastructure of the university. But you say very tomato, I say tomato, right? Like, <clears throat> I think that they were able, like the rowing coach could get people in and bypass the normal admissions, uh, which, by the way, is how I got into college. And, uh, um, but she didn't know how to row. Whereas I actually didn't know how to swim. Uh, and that was like the scandal of it. But is it donating to a library also bypassing the normal admission standards? It's just more money? No, no, no. Well, it, it, what I was saying was it, it seems unfair because they're bribing officials, like decision makers, rather than investing into the infrastructure of the uh, university itself. which doesn't, Which is also like kind of questionable if you want to look at it like broadly. But I definitely see a big difference. Like if you pay me and I get you in the door, the door hasn't gotten anything out of that. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a middleman and I've taken all the money. But if you pay to spruce up the place so that you can come in, the place is better for having you here. The place is not better for having Lori Laughlin's daughter there because she had some, uh, some like admissions guy bribed. Until just now, I couldn't see your point at all. But that, that was well phrased. Like, I get it. One is investing in the school and greasing the wheels. And the other is investing in a corrupt official and greasing yeah. the wheels. I, I, I definitely don't like either, uh, like on principle. But, but I do see a difference. But um, I don't remember the specifics of that thing. There, were some, there was like one guy who was like facilitating everything. And I, th I, I think he may have gotten in some real trouble. I think they had a couple different ways of getting kids in school. Some people had uh, surrogate test takers and you know, to get mm. great uh, standardized test scores. Um, some, I think the rowing's not a scholarship, but like a rowing um, admissions bypass was actually a real thing. I think I have that right. And they had a bunch of different ways to get kids into school, but mm, I kind of see the difference now. But I... I Society accepts different rules for different people, right? Special people get special treatment. And I do too. Like if you told me Conor McGregor got a nice rental house, whereas some guy on the undercard got a hotel room, I'd say, yeah, special people get special treatment. Deal with it, you know? Oh, did you fly a commercial while Conor got the UFC jet? You get special treatment because, you know, he has special requirements and he's especially good at his job and that's what happens, you know? Some employees get paid more than others because they're good at their jobs. Like, yeah, I accept that. I feel like there's a certain thing here where we just apply that same acceptance. You know, if you're Bill Gates' kid and he donates enough to MIT, you get in. 
It's, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, sure. I think my keyboard's broken. God damn it. <laughs> God damn the it. The lawn man strikes again. Does it help that it's funny? <laughs> it's a, you know, you probably it. needed a good gaming You're keyboard anyway. I think it's a Corsair K70 or whatever it is. The, the $140 one that Chiz recommended. Oh. Okay, Dick. actually, that sucks. Uh, God damn it. Now the, now the little search thing in the bottom left on Windows 10 goes... Is it... Is it now? I don't think this anymore. I was gonna say, is it possible it came unplugged while you inspected it? That even it's not securely in. You're gonna want to disassemble that thing. You're, you're right muted. After show, my Why are you muted? Please don't let that be water related. Oh no, it's oh. muting me every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad for the show. Oh, I love funny. this. <laughs> oh, this is oh, good. Oh no, I can't. Fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I can't type. I can't. Well, hey, it's a write off. Now, now, all that it's letting me do is try to add reactions to things that you guys have already written in the chat. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. I got Are you kidding me? You need you to get. This, this monitor is a shit show right now. So much stuff minimizing, maximizing, switching windows <laughs> up, down, up, down. <laughs> and do, you know, do you know how many times I've left a cap off my drink? Once that was the only time you'll notice I always put the cap back on no matter what I'm drinking, and I god that lawn bastard. You will now. God, god um, damn it. I uh I tried to fix a keyboard a while back. I, I complete I took all took the back plate off and I very carefully disassembled it. And uh then I I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes when I'm doing something meticulous. I start getting this ants in my pants, sort of overwhelming anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I, I just went into a rage and I started smashing it on the floor until there was nothing left. And then I got on my phone on Amazon and I ordered this keyboard and it works like a charm. Once you spill water on one of those things, I'm not saying there are, it's a, it's irreparable damage. Might be. But oh no, what I was I doing do. on my phone just then, I just ordered another one of these. And if I'm not able to fix it after the show, I'm going to, just let that come through. So it's coming. So what you do is you take this one, you put it in the box. Oh, jeez. Return it to Amazon. They'll never know. Oh, that's very white trash. White trash. We're now, all now, thinking now, the same even thing. the lights aren't working. The all guy right. that I know that on. does that is not white trash. I, I, I was trying to figure out a way to <laughs> phrase it. I mean, there's, right? a word, there's a word, but I'm not allowed to say it. And, and I, that's that's why I, that's I was stuck there. I was like, I was like, mm. God, God fucking damn it, Taylor. There is a um, headset you should buy along with it. I'm just just pitching this idea. You, you might not like it, but can't click the link. Oh. <laughs> Wait, let's shall see, I, see I shall I describe it to you? <laughs> All right, when I click the link, it zooms back up to the TRT is back on the menu boys picture. Mm. Let's see if I can open link in new tab. No, that's right. Those on the are question. some ugly headphones for $130. Oh, it's a right. good headphone and the side ear cup flips up. So it can go like straight over your head and like be supported nicely, but you just flip it above your ear. I, I would I, like that one because I, I always wear them like this. I saw that and I thought of Taylor and thought like he might appreciate it. 
That's good. I would I would click buy now if I could. <laughs> uh, I, I don't understand what. So let me ask you this, Taylor, because I've never understood yeah. why you don't put both cups of your ears on. Can you hear your voice come through that ear? Through this one, yeah. Then why don't you wear both? I don't know. I don't like it. People do that. Like he's not the only one. I swear I've seen DJs and stuff. Like yeah, but for a reason. And I've changed the settings before to where I can't hear my voice, and I like that too. I probably I like that even more. Oh my god, I can't do yeah. this if I can't hear me. I have it turned off right now. Yeah, I good, can't hear myself. Good god, man. Yeah, you're 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 a fucking anomaly. Uh, if I can't hear me <laughs> in here, Sub it's like I'm, some say. all of a sudden I'm like deaf puffing. <laughs> yeah, see, but that no, I, I don't like it. I like I like just hearing you guys and the guests most of the time. Oh, good god, no, I need to hear me. I think I, I turn need... you guys like almost to a whisper. I, I'm just booming. <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's all about me. I, I, it's my picture, my voice. That's all. As far as I know, this Kyle show only is... looked at his picture and he only listened. <laughs> that would be so yeah. funny as if I could see Kyle's screen right now and it's just Woody and I in those tiny little Discord squares and then Kyle's full 16 by 9 right in the front. That's what it is. <laughs> Look at yourself. <laughs> <sighs> That would be so fucking We're weird. We're going to do, do a show, live staring show at yourself for that Patreon goal. And Kyle's going to have a mirror and not I look at us at all. I need something to look at. I need somewhere to keep my eyes. <laughs> Ray uh, Charles in it up. Just let, that's what I, yeah, I look at. Um, I look at the product, like what people are going to see. And it always has me like looking somewhere else all show long. I wish, mm. it, I wish I could look at the camera, but that's, that's not natural for me. I just move the box around until I can look into my own eyes. Hmm. Uh, that's what i'm doing right now i need a new headset i uh like this ear cup vibrates sometimes in a weird way and i cool. i read about it and apparently the driver is going bad it's a nice headset it was like 400 dollars. i got it like eight years ago i like these a lot are they I'm a big fan of these. m50s is that what i'm looking at yeah i think so they're pop I can yeah. double check yeah I know yeah, them. M50X. I've been looking around. Pastilli just bought a new headset that's had an outsized influence on my buying process. Like, he's the really good that, at Tarkov. That's probably why. Yeah, the <laughs> things that are important to me, um, obviously, comfort. Um, I've had I've had headsets before that just this strap up here can get real uncomfortable. It can it can actually make a little sore spot on the top of your head if you wear it for eight fucking hours in a row, which sometimes we do. Right. Um, and if like the material, the the cup, makes your ear sweat. That's no good. It's gotta be velour, something like fluffy and nice, not leather. Yeah. Or... This is this is something really soft. It's it's not I don't know what it is, but it's it's nice. I like mink. it. I, my yeah. my ears don't it's yes, it's mink, mink. vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's chinchilla. And uh I like this. I even like that it's red. My old headset was those Astros and they were red, so I, I wanted to continue that little little theme. I and considered so... Astros. But people who've seen the audiophiles don't aren't impressed by them and i've always liked these i could even get them again you know if a driver's bad i guess it's all the excuse you need I mean, yeah I, I use them 10 hours a day or you order yourself a new set send that set back <laughs> uh, maybe I've got these i've got some we'll do that some turtle beach gaming headset that i you steal all use. of your entertainment but your headset is where you draw the line Apparently. <laughs> yeah. And I don't. I pay for Netflix. I pay for Hulu. I pay for ESPN. I pay for Disney. I can't think of anything else. 
Sometimes I just prefer the stolen version because it's all in one place. Like the like Plex has all the content of all of those combined. Even though I pay for them elsewhere, you know, it's right here in my together in one spot. Fair enough. You still watching The Wire? Yes. I'm on towards the end of season three. And... I'm toward the end of season two. Okay. I'm halfway through episode one of season one. I so... started watching it last night. But it got to the point where I was like halfway in and I was like, I'm not giving this the attention it needs and this is important. And so I turned it off and watched an episode of Family Guy and then went to bed. So finished the, the Brandos, this is not a spoiler or anything, but it just do you remember the to me? Yeah. Uh, so, so Frank Sabatka, he's mm-hmm. the bald guy who's running the port. His nephew is sort of the slick backed haired uh, go getter and that lives in the basement. And he's got the the girlfriend he has the kid with. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the girlfriend's tits? Mm-hmm. She gets topless at one point. Yeah. And it's like, wow. She's doesn't like, he like grab her tits at one yeah, point? She, and yeah, she's he goes like, to grab them and she's like, We don't have time. Phone, we don't like, have she, time. And he's like, Well, they're out. <laughs> he, he goes, they're they're staring right at me. And I'm and I'm thinking, like, I bet that wasn't even the script. I bet just <laughs> he's just getting gropey because the they are the Nicest titties I've seen in a TV show in a coon's age. <laughs> uh, the prison scene for the in, sand it, snakes in Game of Thrones. Yeah, those are CGI. These are real titties. Oh, are you? They're CGI. Yeah, that explains the absolute perfection. Perfection. Yeah, they are big and perky and incredibly perfect. Anybody doesn't believe me? Just I'm, I'm going to find those titties right now. <laughs> uh, I can't believe I broke my fucking keyboard. God damn it. I find it very believable, Taylor. (laughs) I I also can believe Sam Pellegrino does not get along with electricity. Uh, I think your your hair is looking better, Taylor. All it needed was a week. (laughs) It couldn't have got worse. (laughs) I feel like, (laughs) yeah, whatever imperfect fade, you know, just add a little, add a whatever, half a centimeter to the whole thing, and it looks good now. Yeah, not too bad. I, I let my beard go for a while. I really overdo for trim there. I'm down... Oh, oh, we can talk about that. I was going to say the, the little fitness thing, but uh, some a story I know is huge right now that I haven't, I don't actually know what's going on really, is Keemstar and H3H3 H3 mm-hmm. are in a fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping if one of you guys knows a little more. I do, do you, yeah. Do they, okay. So uh, I didn't watch, I don't watch Keemstar's videos typically, but I guess he did a hit piece on H3H3. H3. And as the subject of a dozen Keemstar hit pieces, like he just lays out these allegations with no factual supporting. This was in response to an H3 video. uh, This is how it started. And, um, you know, like I I guess there's some element of truth to the fact that the video game Payday did something and they had a DLC and the money went to Ethan, the H3 H3. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then Keemstar on his own said this money was supposed to be for this purpose and Ethan didn't exclusively use it for this purpose and, you know, he stole the money and kept it. Well, the money was for Ethan, right? It, it, it wasn't like mm-hmm. uh, earmarked for just lawsuit costs or something. And Ethan brought on the payday guys and confirmed that Keemstar just made up a part of the story to make him look bad. Cool. Uh, and then Ethan hits back with these Keemstar stuff, like him bullying somebody into suicide. Um, 
I don't know if you touched on the basher thing, him doxing people again and again, and Keemstar being kind of like on both sides of the fence. You know, sometimes he says doxing is horrible, and how could you do such an evil thing? Other times, Keemstar literally doxes people and says, "Yeah, I doxed him. What are you going to do about it? I report the news." Ethan accurately is like, "Really?" I remember Anderson Cooper giving out some person's mom's address you know, as part of their news coverage. I don't remember them giving out his wife's phone number. You know, like, don't, you're not just reporting the news. You're clearly doxing a person. And uh, H3H3 just dunked on Keemstar for like a 40-minute video or something like that. Um, I haven't been a big fan of Keemstar since he attacked my son, so maybe I'm a little biased. But... Uh, What's uh, the suicide thing you said there? So there was so, a YouTuber named, like, it's not Erica. It's something close to it, like Etika or something like that. And the guy was clearly mentally troubled, right? You know, he would threaten suicide. He you know, talked about, like, uh, jumping off a bridge or something. And Keemstar's take on mental depression, which he's put out there on Twitter a bunch of times, is like, you're weak. Just be happy. Don't take medicine. That's just a scam by the healthcare industry. Uh, for your depression, just go out, achieve more, and be a stronger person. That's Keemstar's take on mental health. And uh, it really lacks empathy. He inter- he talked to this guy several times and was always like, the kill yourself, go jump off a bridge, laughing at him, etc. He killed himself. I think he jumped off a bridge or something like that. And um, then all of a sudden Keemstar is like, leave me alone. I'm just trying to mourn my friend. I can't believe you guys are out there like tagging me for this. And uh, he just edited the video and it really showed like the before and after and the transition that Keemstar went under. And uh, so Keemstar is currently in the internet doghouse, although the guy is, uh, people don't watch Keemstar because he's a nice guy or because they like him, right? They watch him for some other reason. They find his topics interesting or whatever. Well, it's, a, it's drama, right? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. Whole show, internet so drama. proving that Keemstar is a jerk never hurts Keemstar. Right? Like, it's out there. We all know Keemstar's a dick. That's not mm. news. <laughs> it's, that's not a change. Everyone knows Ke- you can't hurt the Hulk with kryptonite. You can't ruin Keemstar's reputation. It's, mm-hmm. it doesn't get lower. And he's like, look, I'm scum and I do scummy shit. And that's, that's who Keemstar is. So there's no exposing him as scummy. Currently, people are reminded that he's scummy and they're all like upset with him. But I think in two months he'll be right back where he was as YouTube scummy dude. Probably. Yeah. I, I've, I've never watched any Keemstar content and I've also never watched any H3 content. I don't think, uh-huh. uh, no, I watched a, a, a clip of his podcast when he had Bill Burr on when Bill Burr apparently was just like not oh. having whatever it was. And it was I awkward, think that's the yeah. extent of my, my he got a of bunch him. of, he made a video about that or something like he and his wife, uh, he's because oh so the internet is kind of turned against H3H3 to some extent. He started off making reaction video content, and it wasn't straight up like reaction videos, the really low effort ones where you just make faces while the video plays. Uh, he would make like he'd mock it and do his own little skits and intersplice it in, and uh, you know, sort of a value add reaction video. People loved that. My impression is he sort of saw himself on the top of the bell curve at that and transitioned into the podcast. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people are like, hey, I liked this about you. I don't like this new thing about you. And they fuss at him. Anyway, he acknowledged the Bill Burr thing. And he's like, 
People say I'm unrelatable now as he's like getting into his Porsche. Uh, people think that I shouldn't <laughs> live in this house. It's beautiful. It makes me look like a fucking peasant. Like it's a $9 million home with this Jesus, like infinity pool or something and a Porsche in the garage. He's doing amazingly well. And, uh, uh, and he's like, people say that, you know, I fucked up the Bill Burr interview or whatever. I'm misquoting. Mm-hmm. And his wife is like, yeah, that was cringy. And I was like, ah, yeah, own it. Like, it, it was kind of cringy. And, and they just, you were able to be like, yeah, you know, that, that happened. Um, I thought he handled that well. But okay. it's uh, so, so the, the, the Keemstar war with him, that's it's kind of sizzling out now, I guess. Or? <sighs> it's two days old or something. Like, it, it's, it's, okay. uh, you know, when I saw the video, it had a million views, and then I popped in on it today, and it had like I don't know, maybe three point seven million views. So it's uh, for people that follow YouTube drama, I guess it's the hip thing right now. But like I said, there's no chance that people will change their opinion on Keemstar. Everyone knows what Keemstar is about. He's trash. Oh, it stopped making weird. Stopped. Stop blinking as soon as I held it vertically. Ah, yeah, the liquid's pouring down toward the other side. Yeah. Now it's going to put random numbers instead of Windows key <laughs> on your screen. Did that? No, it did not stop it. Good. No. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what oh, keyboard we are you talking about? Okay. Oh, uh, oh, I have uh, one more. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I didn't have anything else on the H3 Keemstar thing because I, I, I plan to watch H3's video on stream to try and understand what it's about, but that neither you know here nor there. But... Uh, I finished The Sopranos last night. Mm. I was anticipating the end. Like, have you ever gotten to the end of a show? Or I, I know we've all talked about this. I know we have. Where like you get bummed out knowing it's coming to an end. Like the way Kyle described that scene, the end one, where you're like, oh, and then it's just kind of a carousel, revolving door of people coming in, sitting down, like laughing, doing whatever they're doing. And as that was happening, I was having like that feeling of like, oh no, oh. This is really it, isn't it? This is the end of the fucking show. Shit. And I was expecting the mid-sentence cutout thing to be at least a little more obvious than that instead of him just kind of hearing a ring and then just not even looking up all the way, just like getting to hear and then ends. And so, the, the correct me, most people understand, or not understand, assume like, okay, the end there was him right about to get assassinated. Yep. That's the understanding. My understanding is he got assassinated. That he didn't register the bullet or anything, but we see his brain turn off. That that's how I interpreted the last scene. Yeah, yeah. And but is there any um I guess like fan theories of other things that might have happened? Fan theories don't matter. David Chase has spoken on the matter. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Is that it? It's what Taylor said. Yeah. They um I don't know. I didn't put it together until other people like pointed it out to me. AJ. There's a scene on a maybe a boat with Bobby Bacliata or something close to that, where yep. where um, Tony was describing how it happens, and he's like, "It just goes to black or something." Maybe Kyle, you can do it better than I can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got you pretty much got it. He's like, "Bet you don't even feel it, huh?" Yeah, it's just everything goes black. It's over. Yeah, and they're, they're having that discussion because Bobby had never killed anybody. And then, of course, Tony uses that information to his advantage the next day when he sends Bobby to have to go assassinate that guy, that uh, that, that Frenchman, that, that French Canadian fella, because he mm-hmm. knew that was his the best way to hurt Bobby. Yeah, that poor Bobby. I Why felt was bad he hurting Bobby that. again? Because Bobby, Bobby beat him up. Oh, 
Bobby beat the shit out of him when they were playing uh, Monopoly or whatever. And uh, Tony was saying that Janice was blowing all the guys under a under the boardwalk with Janice blowing some guy. <laughs> Janice is Bobby's with wife. With this long in Jan's right? mouth yeah. under the boardwalk. Yeah. And then Bobby beats the absolute shit out of him. And then you feel bad for Bobby when he was killing that guy because you could tell like like the way like Polly kills someone is so blasé and who cares that he'll like cap somebody and then just be like, and this motherfucker bled on my brand new shoes. <laughs> brand new. And he'll like be mad about it. And like Bobby shot that guy. And what I thought maybe one of you disagrees is when he walked up to the guy to like put it to his forehead and then shoot him there. It was almost like Bobby taking this way more seriously than the rest of them. Like if I'm oh, going to yeah. take life, I need to, I need to take it. I need to He'd know. He'd never like, killed I'm anyone before. Yeah. And so he takes it with a lot more, you know, solemnity or whatever the word would be than the other guys who just don't really give a shit, just fucking murder and willy nilly. I was the biggest surprises in that show were Chris dying. I mm -hmm. did not expect Chris to die. I, I would have bet like I liked Bobby so much that I knew he was going to die. It seemed like an untouchable Chris, character. Yeah. I was like, there's, it was almost like a sunk cost thing where I was like, Tony has spent so much time molding this guy and oh the, my mold fell apart again well let me put it back together let me build it up it's a little better this time oh it fell apart again well i put build it up again a little better this time and so that that caught me right out of right out of left field i did not expect him to murder chris right there yep. so that was a really intense scene what else did i know i didn't expect sill to get shot up like that so unceremoniously right at the end because it was almost like sill paulie and tony were kind of quasi untouchables where it's like all right that's him and then that's uh uh his concierge. little shield underneath him yeah uh conciliary or whatever it is uh, close to that yeah yeah and yeah such a fantastic show in a year or so i'm gonna rewatch that whole thing and probably pick up on more things uh if there was a version of that show with every scene with aj outside of season one where he's a funny fat kid cut out it'd be a better show i did not oh something else that i I kind of liked, kind of didn't like about the finale of The Sopranos was usually when you're watching a finale of the, a show, it's kind of understood within the context of the show that they're wrapping up, you know, where it's like, all right, we're, we're closing this, we're closing that, put a pin on this, done, 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 wrapped up. In this, it was like, I know it's the final episode, but Tony's going around, everybody's going around as if it's just another day, making plans for they things that won. you know. Things turned yeah. around and were going well, right? Tony came out of hiding, mm -hmm. if I recall. They, they uh, Someone killed uh, that guy with absolutely no forehead whatsoever um, and with the, the gray hair that starts like right at his eyebrows. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys was like, oh, we might win this. Like, we're going to win this, that kind of positivity. But I, I kind of liked it, kind of didn't like it of him like, having the conversations with, with his, his son and like setting up for plans they're going to do in the future. And, Oh, we're going to do this business. Sill, you need to be on this, uh, Paulie, you need to do that. And I don't know. It felt more realistic in a silly way where it was like, obviously a guy that he doesn't know he's going to die. He wouldn't yeah. be putting a pin and everything like it. It I made it sadder it. knowing it was going to end. And he's just, this what? No, this is just Tuesday. This is just Tuesday. I'm just doing Tuesday things. Some people put it as a bad ending because they didn't, you know, tie a bow on all the little. Mm -hmm. To me, it was a great ending. You know, I don't want every show to just not end well, but for a mobster show where the main character presumably gets shot like that, like perfect, nailed it. Yeah, I think yeah. It, I, I see now why 
people th- a lot of people think that's the best show of all time fantastic the wire is uh, good too when i told you about yeah. the wire i was like yeah you really got to pay attention it's difficult to keep up with the wire i'm gonna i think i'm on my second watching i'm having a much easier time now I'm like why really? do i think this was so complex <laughs> you know like all the characters and the names and stuff i'm doing much better well i'm only halfway into episode one like i said but i can tell i'm gonna love this show like the acting's fantastic what's his name uh the, the smart black guy who's D. like the the yeah him D. who like the first scene he's in is like coaching someone through a, a court case and that was really cool so yeah. oh wait the smart black guy does he have facial hair uh he Barksdale? he's really famous now idris elba idris elba is the actor's name i don't remember what his character's name is though uh, there's a couple smart... stringer bell okay stringer bell Okay. Anyway, there's a couple smart black guys in the show, and I like that. I like that the people who run the drag enterprise, some of them are a little dumb thuggy, and some of them are intelligent businessmen, or just you know a, another kind of smart, like a socially kind of smart, where they understand how to play this game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just I like them because it, it seems like it's setting up that he's going to be the big thorn in the side of the cops the whole time. Because you know, whereas <clears throat> his underlings might get out of control or something, like it seems like he's got a tight you know, fist wrapped around every little aspect of the Pretty business. Stringer so I, I like okay. that character already. So we'll see what he does. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Stringer Bell. I love that guy's character. Um, I like D's character. I, I, shucks, I like most of the characters in it. The, the detectives, I won't spoil anything with this. They all develop into interesting storylines too. I like what they do with them. So I think you'll enjoy the series. I like the over-the-top dressing like he's on the street but he's a cop white guy detective who's like lady you take care of the inputting data me and my partner we are we're street guys or whatever kind of junkie strong yeah he's yeah yeah, junkie strong he's wearing his an enormous shirt and big pants and his like sideways hat and i I guess that was was in season two i think uh, all the bad guys are white and he's very excited because it's his chance to like work with the drug dealers and to, you know, he's not there taking pictures from a block away anymore. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who's like uh, dealing with all the other bad guys because he fits. Uh, season two is the shittiest one. You guys, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I they, had a um, friend of mine. I was texting him. I was like, I, I'm just finished Sopranos. And he's like, Oh, awesome! And I'm like, I'm about to start the wire. And he goes, Awesome! Just like uh, skip season two, and it's the best show ever. Nah. Season, I mean, it's 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 just not as good. It's still a good season. It takes a little while to quote unquote get the band back together, like get all the detec- detectives, uh, like back in their squad again. But um, I, I think Frank Sapatka is pretty interesting. It's the Ziggy character is the most annoying part. Uh, his son, Frank Sapatka's son, is this piece of shit, skinny fucker who's just always just fucking everything up. You know why but, I like um, Ziggy? Because I loved that actor in Generation Kill. Mm, I haven't seen that in a really long time. Oh, uh, he's the guy that drives a lot and eats the rip fuel, uh, like energy pills. I watched it one time. I don't okay, remember okay. very well. Anyway, <laughs> I loved him in Generation Kill, and I just saw a lot of the same characteristics and the same actor, and I was oh, I get it, I get it. I've seen that. Yeah. That's a great show. Or yeah. miniseries, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that uh, Skarsgård guy in it um, from uh, True Blood. Yeah, the good-looking blonde dude. Yep. What would you yep. call him? Skarsgård? Is that the actor's name? Yeah. Okay. I think that's his last name. His brother is the one who plays um, It and It. <laughs> the, the clown? It, I'm taking in a little more media than I 
do when there's not a pandemic on? Like probably a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. I. It looks like we're wrapping up our response to the pandemic. I. It's political at this point, right? Where if you if you think it's bad, you're Democrat. If you think it's fine, it's Republican. But it's my impression that America, it's not so much that we think it's over. It's that that's all you get, right? That's all you get. I was willing to quarantine for eight weeks. Fuck off. I'm back at it. And I'm not really much different. Like, I don't, I'm just like, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to quarantine for two years. I'd rather just mm-hmm. see if I'm one of the 2%. No, one of the 98% that, that's fine through this thing or whatever the number is. Uh, I'm not going to... It's like if you yeah. told me there was a 1% chance I'd die and I could avoid that 1% by like giving up two years of my life, I'd be like, ah, fucking roll the dice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of comes to a difficult crossroads where like you... Because there are people out there who I feel like are only really rich people who are still like, stay home, everyone. Uh, what you're working the service industry and you're out of savings and the Trump bucks didn't get you far enough. Sorry. What are you only caring about the stock market by not, but you stay home. And it's like, okay, well you can acknowledge the value of staying home, trying to make this not as bad while also acknowledging that tens of millions of people are out of work and really fucking struggling. And we can't do this indefinitely. There's going to be a global depression. Like it's going to get bad. There's a huge middle class. For sure. He's almost had a lifestyle upgrade from it. And like it. Some people. Yeah. If you're in non-essential industries and you can work from home and things like that. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. I'm like, I'm thinking of you and I'm trying not to say you, but Mm -hmm. like, like, (laughs) you know, like people in your situation who can do their job from home or from the office. It's like, you know what? Secretly, I think this might be better than before. And, and you know, you're not alone. Like, there's, Yeah, I won't hide that at all. I, I am enjoying my lot in this yeah. very much. But that doesn't mean that you, you know, enforce your standard of it on everyone necessarily when they need to make money and feed their kids and shit. For like, sure, for sure. You can't, you can't put the whole world on pause. There's a lot of jobs where, like, social distancing kind of fits in with them. The lawn care guys, roofers, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a lot of construction, uh it's like, yeah, it, it, it's not NBA anyway. You, know, you don't have a bunch of guys rubbing on each other to, to install mm-hmm. a roof. You can, you can get, I don't know. You work My neighbor got a new roof yesterday. Guys. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah, it was very fucking loud. Well, now you need a new roof keeping up with the, the Johnsons. <laughs> or the Joneses fine. or whatever the saying is. You're Just the Joneses. renting at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't need a new roof. Well, mm you know, you certainly don't need to pay for one. <laughs> Won't be my problem if I do. Right. What flavor of Zevia are you drinking right now? Black cherry. Was Arcus drinking alcohol? Was he drinking like Bacardi from the bottle? What was that? I thought, that oh, I thought that was like fancy water, like glass yeah. bottle water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be. He's pretty hardcore if he was just slugging vodka like that. No, he's like, no, it's hooch. whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's hooch. <laughs> I didn't do any ecstasy in there, but good God, I got hooked on toilet wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. I was, I, I kept looking at the bottle trying to figure it out, but I'm not the guy who's going to crack that code. You know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was fancy water. But, okay. Uh, yeah, I thought he was. Man, a great that was guest. awesome having him on. He's that was. You always know. 
the guest is awesome when it just becomes all of us being like, tell another story. <laughs> yeah, I tell another story, so guest. There's been a handful of like prison guys that I was interested in, right? Wes mm-hmm. Watson's one of them. Tw- lockdown 23, well, it keeps going and going. And and she's just like, yo, we got his name Steve Atwood. Do I have it right? And yeah. um, um, Sean Atwood. Sean Atwood, thank you. Anyway, it was like, oh, I don't know this guy, but we'll see how it is. I think he's better than any of them. It's like, oh, here's this guy's like an inspirational speaker, storyteller, ecstasy kingpin, uh, mafia. I agree. Columbia family. Like, like, it's like, oh, my God, we got the best one on earth. The other yeah. ones will have big shoes to fill if they come on. They will, but I won't say it to that one guy's face. Wes Watson? Even yeah. I'm pretty tough scary. over the internet. I might say That's it. I was about to say, I'll say whatever I want. <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> Kyle's sitting there like, you'll never catch me in my home in Maine. <laughs> Just coming to my house is a violation of your parole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a felon. <laughs> Two. And you're safe. You're safe in your own weird shielded way. Yeah. Wow. Kyle has a restraining order against all felons. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's just like a superpower. Well, you can attain around. the same powers I have, Woody. Uh, need to smoke Just some a pot. couple of postage stamps away. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably get it for something else, too, like mailing lizards or something. Mailing lizards? There are, are lots you? of things you can't mail. Yeah, lo- lizards. You think you become a fa- a felon for mailing a lizard? Oh, make it ivory can, tusks. I could do it. If you make it like if it's some sort of exotic lizard, yeah, you right? definitely go to jail for that shit. I wonder Get how a guy in prison who's like trafficking birds does. What's your what's your charges, man? I love birds. Yeah, I was right. He's a chomo. <laughs> I never get quite the I've asked this to lots of people, you know, like the game plan for my prison survival. And he's like, well, the way I did it is I was a ecstasy kingpin and I came in with protectors from all over. And then like, well, I don't have any prison connections. I'm going to be all alone for whatever it is I'm going to do. And I, no one ever really has a good plan for me. They like like, steal a car. And then in the time between that and the, the court case, you're like, frantically trying to build an ecstasy kingpin network <laughs> to take into prison with you. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask him, I wish I had, everyone seems so opposed to being in solitary for a year or two. Yeah, that sounds awful. I'm not. Like, like if it's so bad that people are getting fucking killed on sight and squashed on sight or whatever the fuck, and, and there's cockroaches everywhere. Like, like could you put me in that solitary room? Oh, you don't want that. Oh, I think I do. Right. I think I do. Especially I don't want any torpedoes months. coming into my room. Yeah. I feel like if I had a two-month sentence especially, it might be hard to live the rest of my life in solitary. But fuck, okay. not harder than getting raped. I, I. But if it's two months, it might be like, you know what? <laughs> we smuggle in an iPad or something. I got this. I'm two months standing on my head. Yeah, if you have any entertainment, you could do it, but... YouTube would help me get through. Books. Books. You get books. Yeah. Books yeah. and... Are and you guess... allowed books in solitary? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, uh, Blade told the story where he was in solitary and he had books, right? Taylor, you're mm-hmm. muted, I think. Am I muted? No. 
Oh, it might have muted me and unmuted me. Okay, I'll, I'll keep an eye on this. You were saying things out loud just before I said that, right? Like reactions. Oh, I don't yeah, know. maybe that didn't get through. Yeah. Anyway, oh, we got. <laughs> we're almost at the end. Stupid <laughs> keyboard. Are you shitting me? <laughs> we need maybe a waterproof keyboard should be your next one. Is it not supposed to do that? I guess. No. It doesn't normally blink randomly. No. Not supposed to be doing any of this. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it, that's Morse code for why. <laughs> I've been a good keyboard for you. Why would you this? Uh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Do you have another keyboard around the house? I do, but I I, I didn't want to run around and right. It'd it. be a temporary replacement until the good one comes yeah, in. Stream and oh, I just dropped it and I opened up every single thing. I'm like, <laughs> That doesn't happen. I can drop my keyboard. It's fine. Now I can't exit out of this. The task manager's open. And I'm somehow in the wrong Discord chat now. <laughs> is your mouse not working? Well, it's like the mouse is trying to work. But this is, I assume, putting in so many inputs that it's like jumping around and not working right. So I'm having to click everything like 10 times. So... God damn it. Well, it is funny. So you get. <laughs> Wait, I was say that again. I talked at the same time. I said that's life. Oh, you know? okay. I ruined your timing. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. No, it, it's, it's all good. It, the other one will show up between the 25th and the 29th. And until then, I'll use this free crappy one that came with it. <sighs> so, ah, fucking way she goes, Randy. Kyle, have you been gaming at all? I think they tried to pull you into Tarkov last night and you were maybe watching something. I was watching The Wire. Yeah. Um, no, I've been playing uh, Warhammer's DLC came out last night, so I'm going to be playing that. Gotcha. The, uh, yeah, the new the new DLC is very very cool. They added uh, a lot of shit, so I'm going to be playing that. Uh, yeah, I've just been playing Tarkov, but I don't have anything new to report about it. I'm just trying to upgrade same old, same old. Me. They're slow with their updates. Yeah. Uh, thinking. <laughs> we could do a three hour 51 minute show yeah let's knock it out i, I had a great time through nine minutes well, you're you're opting to power through nine minutes i didn't hear I'll just words. ignore him he, he I, doesn't even have I any equipment that, anymore I think he's in and out of mute <laughs> he, he's like this being muted i i'm it, All right, fine. Let's end it. <laughs> <laughs> you, I wish I, I should be taking video of what's going on on my screen. Right now. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, PKA four ninety two. I think it was a. I think it was a fire episode. So very good. Want to get him on again? Come back. All right. Uh, any outros? Nope. Nope. There we go. <laughs>